Ho, 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 and happy, happy, go, happy break, everyone. <laughs> uh, I'm Carter. Here's Carrie. My hat's cooler today. Although your hat's, yeah, your hat's cool, but uh, pretty cool. But you have the coolest hat. This Look comes at you, from Sandy Kins. Uh, thank you, Sandy, all the way from Sweden. And I will admit, oh, wait a minute. What? Before you admit something, is that knitted? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's amazing. It's awesome. Um, and uh, I will admit, I was standing here in a blue shirt and tie with no hat, about to go, and I saw the chat and people saying, Carter's wearing his Santa hat today. And I was like, oh, crap, I forgot. So I ran and changed to more Christmassy-themed <laughs> clothing. So. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Sandy. This is seriously the best Santa hat I've ever had. Or She's uh, Sandy Claus. She's Sandy Claus. <laughs> is that her new? Did she change her name or is she still? No, I just, okay. I tried to, I made a bad You're just being silly. That's fine. Yeah. Welcome to Unsafe Space, everyone. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to unsafespace.com slash donate, where you will be directed to use either fiat currency or cryptocurrency um if you subscribe at a 25 dollar level or above you get a cool little grenade mug which is over oh. here oh carrie's got hers i got my we got dueling grenade mugs today uh, with a pen this might be my favorite part that the pen comes the pen. out yeah um what else uh don't forget to like share and subscribe book if club. you, you uh, oh yeah and book club is is it this sunday damn it Oh wow! Yeah, it's this Sunday. I haven't December twentieth, but it's this we, Sunday, December twentieth. Yeah, this month we're doing Robert Heinlein. The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. We're doing fiction this month. This is one of Carter's favorites. We hope you'll join us. You can be live in the video discussion if you want to talk about the book with other wrong thinkers. Uh, just go to the uh, the book club page on unsafespace.com, or you can be in the live chat like today. Yes, uh, and one last thing I want to say um, before we jump into anything. If you can, please go to unsafespace.locals.com. We have not been using Locals at all, but we're going to start playing around with Locals. We're not sure what we're going to do, but we have to get a certain number of subscribers just to kind of like enable some features. So it's kind of dead right now. I apologize for that. But if you're on Locals, go go to unsafespace.locals.com and follow us, and we will. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to do something, and we're going to figure it out. I will create an account today. You don't have a locals account? No. Right, go, create a, go create a locals account. I have a locals okay. account, but I don't use it much. Um, someone just said, isn't this magic? Yeah, I made the sign not thinking about the Santa Claus hat. So. Uh, yeah. But. Um, well, welcome. Yeah. We have some new people here today. So this is a live show we do Mondays and Fridays called Confetti Break. It used to be a daily show. Now it's just Mondays and Fridays. And we just talk about whatever you guys want to talk about, whatever's in the news. Um, I sent you some stuff right before we started. Stuff. Yeah. Do you want to start with your yeah, stuff? Yeah, this is just silly. Let's start with this because this is so silly. Well, which which uh, you, you sent me two tweets and you sent me a YouTube. Which start, do you want to start Let's start with? with the Hillary Clinton tweet because this made me laugh. Because she is our uh, favorite person. Okay. Hillary well, Clinton tweet. Okay, we so apparently so, – <laughs> Apparently, there's this big dust up because somebody wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post saying that Jill Biden, Joe Biden's wife, uh, maybe should consider dropping the doctor title because she has a doctor, uh, she's a doctor of education, and 
And who cares? That's one person's opinion. And they, and they were, he was also saying, you know, because the, the prestige of having uh, a PhD is not what it used to be, which is a fair point. Yeah. yeah, It's true. But who cares? She's earned it. I don't, I don't even understand why this is a thing, but of course, let no, uh, what, what is it? Let no crisis go to waste. Well, also let no op-ed that you don't like go to waste. Let no chance to be offended go to waste. Let, yes, let no <laughs> chance to be offended. So all the righteous indignation machines cranked up and did a bunch of articles saying, this is sexist and they would never say this to a man with a PhD. And then Hillary Clinton's tweet was my favorite. Her name is Dr. Jill Biden. Get used to it. <laughs> what? Who cares? <laughs> I'm so not used to it. And and I, it made me think. Go, go ahead. ahead. I'm just. Well, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have published the op-ed. I thought it was in the Wall Street Journal, but I wouldn't have published it anyway. Like I don't think it's a. Like I don't care. But I agree with you. Once it's published, like I don't. I don't. It's. It is a doctorate in education. So I don't know. And it was recent, which was the point of the article. The point of the opinion piece was like, these used to matter. Now they're easy to get. She got it at a later time when it was easy to get. It doesn't, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and the people in the chat are saying, like, Spock's mom is saying she's a PhD, not an MD. And people are saying if she can't write me a prescription, she ain't a doctor. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, like, I think the whole thing is silly. We all know PhDs are different than medical doctors and we, I think the guy making the, writing the op-ed made a fair point, but who, I mean, who cares? Keep using your title if you want to and don't if you don't want to. And I don't, I mean, we all know doctors who, <laughs> who, who, uh, uh, let's just say I don't really, I don't give someone respect because of the title, whether it's a PhD or not. Right. I know a social justice warrior who got her PhD in food dance. She's a doctor uh-huh. of dancing about food. Dancing? Yes. Like for veggie food. tales? I I don't Is know. She wrote dance? a bunch of garbledy gook about, about, you know, uh, oppression and, and food oppression and dancing and You're You're pulling food my dancing. leg now. You don't know anyone with a doctorate in leg. food dance. Come on. Yes, I do. I do. I'm going to pull up her exact uh, I, uh, Carrie. paper. <laughs> I'm going to pull up her paper. And I know it sounds like something James Lindsay and Helen Pluckers would do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's true. By the end of this show, I'm going to have the exact title of her paper and you guys can look at it. It's She's a doctor of food dance. Oh, my God. <laughs> so all I'm saying is who who really cares? But Hillary Clinton's tweet her name is Dr. Jill Biden. Get used to it. Can, can you play this quick YouTube clip that I sent you? Oh, you want the YouTube clip now. All right. Yeah. It, it made me think of this immediately. <laughs> Maybe because it's Christmas. All right. All right. Hold on. <laughs> I'm going to get the food dance, doctor, while you're doing that. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Life is pain. Get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's a that's a clip from Long Kiss Good the Long Kiss Good Night. I, I recognize that movie, Wait, but let's, I let's get down to business. I was like, where's that from? I couldn't remember. It's from uh, yeah, it's it's uh, Gina Davis and Samuel Jackson, and it's a really great Christmas movie. It's not really. It's like a it's a Christmas movie the way Die Hard is a Christmas. Right. No, movie. those are the best kind of Christmas movies. Yeah. 
Yeah. Life is pain. Get used to it. Her name is Dr. Jill Biden. Get used to it. <laughs> um, but then this is the last thing. The other the other tweet I sent you. This just made me laugh. Yeah, I've seen a lot of this kind of stuff going around now, too. So I just shared this <laughs> on my wall and said, OK, look, they're both doctors. All right. Like, <laughs> can we just Dr. Say- Thunder, Dr. Pepper. <laughs> who, who? I mean, they're both doctors. One's Dr. Pepper, one's Dr. Thunder. Who cares? Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't really care about it too much either. Although I will say, uh, I do. It it is funny how people get so pissed off. And and by the way, I do know. So like, I in the olden days, in the olden days, God, I sound old. Growing up. People that had PhDs in a science did go by doctor. Now they don't really very much. But, like, I remember my dad has a PhD in neurochemistry. And, like, people called him doctor. And that wasn't, like, he wasn't, like, pushing it. Like, that's just, like, there weren't a lot of PhDs in science. Um, But, you know, I'm old. Now everyone and their mother... I guess if you can get a PhD in vegetable dance, food dance, whatever, then. Uh, okay, here's yeah. the title. Okay, go ahead. Of of this food doctors, and I'm not going to say her name, but I guess by giving the title, you can you find kind of it. Are, but, you can if you Google, yeah. you can find her name. Okay, uh, the, her dissertation project, and this is how she got her doctorate <laughs> in food dance, is uh, audience engagement in San Francisco's contemporary dance scene. Forging connections through food. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I told you I wasn't kidding. Oh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I mean, uh, I don't even. Uh, okay, here we go. What my world teaching are we in? emphasizes my teaching emphasizes exploring chosen topics via movement, writing, and dialogue. Students are asked to move and think through the ways that dance relates to topics like labor, power, civic action, racism, nationalism, and more. (laughs) To see choreography and performance at play in the acts of daily living. I think she might be teaching now. Uh, Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, I'm sure that's a vital career for future students need to learn about this. I mean, if, if only the youth of America could be educated by people like that, I'm sure we would be, we would maintain our status as a world superpower, you know, in perpetuity. This is what it's we doctor. need. Yeah. It's a doctor. Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It, it just, I, I just think the faux outrage from people like Hillary is just silly. It's, it's basically just being <laughs> opportunistic and seeing like, it's, a, it's opportunistic. I'm seeing an opportunity for outrage I'm going to take it and add my little two cents of nothingness and who cares. Get used to it. You know, what's I'm wondering about this. Like people talk about the fall of empires, like the fall of Rome and, you know, whatever. I wonder if anyone actually imagines how funny they can be during the fall. Like it's kind of a hilarious, <laughs> it it's kind of a hilarious thing. The fall of an empire is kind of, like wrought with hilarity, <laughs> which is like tragically, it's tragically yeah. funny, but it's funny. Um, we'll be laughing as the Titanic sinks. 
Yeah, because because it's like uh, it's not like the, an empire doesn't fall like the Titanic, where it's like, oops, we hit an iceberg and we're trying and we die. It's like the Three Stooges take over and there's like craziness on <laughs> on the boat until it just like <laughs> falls apart. Like that's how it, that's how it falls apart. Uh, and it's kind of ridiculous. Um, all right. Anything you want to talk about in particular? I, I got a few things. To, Doctor Who, Doctor Evil, <laughs> Doctor, Doctor <Nefario>. Mario, <laughs> Doctor Mario, and Doctor Scholes. <laughs> Someone says confirmed. Carter would be the one playing the fiddle while Rome burns. Well, <laughs> not if I were in charge of Rome. Uh, but uh, yeah, if there's nothing I can do, I might be the one playing the fiddle or just moving <laughs> to somewhere else. But I just, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not encouraging the burning just because it's funny, but it is funny. It is funny. You have to laugh. Yeah. Otherwise you'd be screaming the whole way down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're crying or at least, at least you're laughing about it. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk about, uh, I don't know. Let's talk about the fall. We got um, <clears throat> our, our cover art today is Alan West. Alan West was the... Uh, is the chairman of the GOP in Texas. Did you see what he said that everyone's freaking out about, Carrie? No, I missed it. I was making doctor jokes. There it is. Doctor? <laughs> doctor? You're busy. Go ahead. You're busy, you're busy making doctor jokes. Um, by the way, speaking of uh, doctorates. Isn't he, isn't he a doctor? Who? Alan West. Oh, I don't know. Uh the, for, in, in the category of worst reasons to get a doctorate, my wife, her maiden name, which I don't want to disclose, she thinks her maiden name would go really well with doctor, like doctor maiden name. That's the only reason that she wants to someday in her <laughs> life get, get a doctorate so she can be called doctor, her maiden name. Uh, <laughs> doctor Laren doesn't sound very good anyway. So. Yeah. All right. So uh, it was in response to something. So you saw that. So Texas and 17 other states filed this uh lawsuit and the supreme court um overturned it well they, they didn't overturn it they rejected it so let's just we gotta well, let's follow the paper trail to see how why alan west said what he said so um so the pre supreme court they don't they didn't sign this is an unsigned decision they say texas has not demonstrated a judicial a judicially cognizable interest in the manner in which another state conducts its elections all other pending motions are dismissed as moot so basically, they're saying Texas doesn't have standing. Uh, there's no, okay. they can't, they can't, I guess, right? They can't get involved in this because it's not their business what other states are doing. Um, now, Clarence Thomas and Alito disagreed with that, but it sounds like they kind of agreed generally, but they thought we can't just dismiss it. We should have at least heard, we should have moved it one step further. Um, they say, in my view, we do not have, or Thomas says, Oh, so Alito says, in my view, we do not have discretion to deny the filing of a bill of complaint in a case that falls within our original jurisdiction. I would therefore grant the motion to file the bill of complaint, but would not grant another other relief. And I express new, no view on any other issue. So their point is, if a state can't appeal to the federal government for disputes between states or like, hey, the state shouldn't be able to do blah, 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 it affects us, uh, then who can they appeal to, right? I mean, the Supreme Court's kind of the last stop. So anyway, so this happened. And, you know, as you can imagine, a bunch of people uh, who were hoping for something out of this were upset. And the chairman 
Alan West, the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, writes this little statement. And we, we don't even have to read the beginning of it, but the, the salient sentence is this last sentence that set people off. He writes, perhaps law-abiding states should bond together and form a union of states that will abide by the Constitution. So this has been... Uh, this has been used to spark, uh, I won't say outrage, it's more like faux hysteria that, secession, they're going to try and secede, right? Um, Mm -hmm. what if states secede? And, uh, I was thinking about it. Actually, I think now's the best time to secede. Um, why? As tensions get worse secession will be worse like it will be more difficult and and there might actually be violence if you can secede over some like if if a bunch of states are like we don't like this and we want to secede and the other and like we're at a time when the other states might just let them go i even though i would end up in the people's republic of whatever remained like because i'm in california so California wouldn't go with any sort yeah. of freedom <laughs> group. We, we would be the, the socialist group. But at least people would know where to move, right? They would know where to go. Like, there would be a clear spot. Right now, no one knows what to do. Yeah. Right? Everyone's yeah, like, should I move to Colorado, New Hampshire, uh, Wyoming, Wisconsin, uh, Idaho, Texas? Where do I go? By the way, let me just clear something up for anyone curious. Not Colorado. Oh, I thought you were going to say Texas is the answer. No, Texas Texas filed the lawsuit, man. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Texas is still fighting. Colorado yeah. is... Actually, our friend, Nicole of the Mountain People, who's in Colorado, was telling me um, the past couple of days she thinks that Colorado was, if, was a good blueprint for what's happening now federally, or nationally, sorry, I should say. Oh, just in terms of California infecting yeah. it with a virus and turning it blue. No, well, that too, but I mean, with the election, with uh, mail-in voting, with all of the oh. um, doubt that's been sowed about the election results, and yeah. Anyway, I, I yeah. Just Colorado's also people- been a like a interesting proving ground for leftist funding, outside funding of yes. campaigns. There's been a lot of like California money funding yes. stuff in Colorado. Right. Yeah. And and I think it's as a result Colorado is much bluer than the people in it are. Like it it's the Yes, the money there yeah. and how they flip that state is very interesting and I think has been the subject of a documentary we talked about before that you yeah. saw. Yeah, it has you watched been. that. Yeah, and I've got a friend in in Colorado who moved there recently who's still fighting the fight in Colorado and I've got another friend who moved there. 15 years ago maybe and he's he's looking where to go next because he's yeah right um so so how do you see because it's interesting to me that when trump won we got just incessant um hysteria for four years about how we need to get rid of the electoral college and uh, the Russians were interfering and, and anything they could do to try and delegitimate 
delegitimize his presidency. They were trying to do it. And there was a lot of talk. I don't know if you remember, but there was a lot of talk immediately after the 2016 election about California seceding. Yes. Yeah. In fact, there was proposals. I mean, there's always proposals, but there were new ones that were like, it will break it into five pieces and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now, uh, you know, shoes on the other foot or what have you, you have these states or you have certain people on the right, some people on the right now talking about secession. How would you see something like that even unfolding? If you think that now would be the time where it's, I do think, I do think your point about um, people, it giving people an easy roadmap of geographical, uh, like, like, like a map to figure out geographically where they might might be a, among more like-minded people. I think yeah. that's a good point. Well, and, and, and I think right now part of the tension is people feel trapped, right? They're like, I, I hate the politics around me. Actually, no matter which side you're on, people feel kind of trapped. Like, I, I hate the politics around me. I don't know where to go to escape. And so it, I think it actually just causes tension to escalate. Whereas if you had a spot and it was like, okay, there's a choice. You can go here and it's going to be like this and you can go here and it's going to be like that. And neither one will be perfect for anyone, but both, but there, there, I would imagine there would be distinct differences. And I think that would be, I think that would be quite valuable. And what I imagine would happen was <clears throat> if a state secede, if some states seceded, I can't imagine one state seceding, but if like a bunch of states together seceded or proposed it, which I know sounds ridiculous, but I mean, everything that's big that happens geopolitically sounds ridiculous at the beginning of it. I mean, countries do fall apart. Things happen. Like it starts small and people shake their head and say it's ridiculous and it grows. And like, so if that, if something like that were to happen, I, what I would imagine happen is because Beverly and I were talking about this last night. She was lamenting that, you know, she is in a County where the County's very red but the state might be blue. And she's like, well, I'll, I'll end up in the, in the bad, in the bad section, right? I'll end up in the blue territory or whatever it is. Not that I, I don't like using red and blue. Cause I don't like a lot about the Republicans, but it's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But what I think would happen was the States would secede if they seceded. Uh, I, I don't know that anyone would fight a war if it was done carefully, especially if it was done before tensions were too high. I know it feels like tensions are high now, but we're not like actually killing each other in the streets. So if we do that, and then I think what would happen is border counties would start um, seceding from their states. So if you were on a border, if you were in a blue state, but a red county and you were on the border from another red state, you would be like, we do, we want to be in this state. And I think you would have states starts to reform a little bit um, because a lot of the, if you look at the map, I mean, you saw this map from Amy, uh, Siskind, I assume, this is going around like last week, right? She proposed, she, she says, proposed map, New York and California are sick of supporting these red welfare states, right? And she, she puts this map out. She calls all this red stuff Jesus land. Um, and she calls, <laughs> she calls the blue stuff United States of Canada, right? And she's like, hey, let's just all join Canada, right? I didn't see this. Thank you. <laughs> okay, well, look. I think most people in these states, and by the way, I'm in. He, I'm here. I'm in the Bay Area. I support this map. Sure. 
Absolutely. You're going to give us Alaska, which is strategically hugely valuable. Valuable. We're going to get the entire Mississippi Delta, basically, which is awesome. We've got all this coastland and all these states. Sure. I'll abs- I would absolutely take this. This is a deal I would, I would advocate for if it were real. I mean, she's just throwing this out to be offensive, right? But this is great. This is absolutely great. Um, and I think what you'll see is like, even like, let's take a look at California, how this would play out. At the end of the day, you'd have like a blue strip from about here down to about here. And all this would be red. All this would just boop, move over to this side, right? Um, now, you know, obviously this one has Colorado and stuff that's red, which is not exactly correct. I don't think this is. I, I don't think this is a realistic map. This is just kind of her joke, trying to make fun of what she calls Jesus Land. But you know, if this were real, sure, I think people would accept this. Uh, and I think New York and California are pretty full of themselves. You know, one thing that it made me think of is. Uh, this is and this is a thing that I don't know if it's just on the left, but it's definitely it definitely is on the left. It's definitely a socialist mentality, but it, it may also be on the right. I haven't thought about it. Wait a minute. This this idea that what? Wait a minute. The woman who tweeted this map is on the left? Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's Amy Siskins. She yeah, she she's like making fun of Jesus quote Jesus land. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have a problem with this map. I mean, right. I have some, but you know, uh, <laughs> right. Okay. Right. I wouldn't call it Jesus land. <laughs> of course not. But you know, that's, that's her derogatory. Yeah. It's funny oh, that the left now uses Jesus as a derogatory term. I Jesus see. is a derogatory okay. adjective, I guess. Jesus land. Right. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, I, the left does this again, and maybe the right does it, but they they have this viewpoint. Uh, they they have like a, it's almost like they can't think fourth dimensionally, and I mean like the fourth dimension being time. They take a snapshot of things, and they're like, "Well, California is very rich, therefore California is where the productivity is. Therefore, all of you people are on welfare from us, and we're the best, and blah 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 blah, and we'll just take California and go. And Silicon Valley is awesome." Okay, okay. What got Silicon Valley to where it was? It was not leftist socialist policies. <laughs> California was a much freer state when Silicon Valley started to be Silicon Valley. The reason Silicon Valley grew is the soil was rich. So you could think of it like farming. You've farmed the hell out of the soil in terms of extracted as much taxes from you as you can. You've implemented as many socialist policies. You've destroyed the soil. You're still harvesting crops. And you're looking over at some of these other states with very rich soil comparatively and saying, ha ha, we have all the crops. And it's like, okay, yeah, but they have the better soil. Would you rather start a business in, in, in California or Texas? Texas, hands down, hands down, you would rather start a business in Texas. Well, and you can see that because the businesses like Tesla are leaving California and moving to Texas, which has the better soil, right? so to speak. Right. So they have this stupid kind did of Did you like, hear what Gavin... Go ahead. Did you, you hear what Gavin Newsom said about about uh, um, Elon Musk moving Tesla to, to Texas? Gavin Newsom, governor of California, he said, I don't care. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course he doesn't care. I don't. I don't care. Right. 
He doesn't care. Um, so, I mean, I think yeah. they are living places. I said this before, but leftist, <laughs> leftist anti-free market economics is a parasite and <clears throat> it needs to go to productivity, leech onto productivity, suck it dry, people leave, then they die. But they're stupid enough that while this, while they're sucking on their host, they just think that, like, I don't care. There's so much host here. I'm, I got plenty of blood, right? <clears throat> um, but they don't have any appreciation for where that, quote, blood comes from. Um, they don't understand that they're just killing the host, which is what they do. Uh, and then they're just going to move on. They're, they'll, you know, they'll move to Colorado. and Because a lot of it'll people be, were moving to Colorado, right? I think it'll become like Detroit, which of used course. to be booming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right? And In 1950... You wouldn't have talked about California being the tech center of the country. It would have been Detroit, right? Yeah. Um, for me, for you know, that makes sense. So, uh, but as we know, Detroit, I think it's been pretty deeply blue for my entire life, at least. So, I think anyway. your point about them not being able to project forward and you know, having a problem with the dimension of time is a good one. And we joke, you and I, about my issues with time. <laughs> but, but, but it's funny because I don't, I don't, I think generally I'm able to look forward, maybe in a way I wasn't before, maybe certainly in a way I wasn't when I was in the social justice cult. Because I wasn't thinking very much then in general at all about anything. Right. I wasn't thinking things out, but, but, so I'm amazed that people can't can't seem to imagine where things are headed, you know, in general, in Western countries, uh, specifically in places like San Francisco, that they can't they can't imagine where we're moving, you know. And I think, it, I think there's some just I, I imagine it. I mean, it's not an IQ thing. It's got to just be some sort of denial emotionally. Like it's just got to yeah. denial. Right. I, I'm comfortable. I like it. I want it to work. Therefore, it will work. That's what it is. I mean, yeah. it's, it's ultimately just a feeling. It's people. This is why a lot of this, a lot of these uh, phrases that seem like they're not very <clears throat> philosophical and not very detailed, like facts over feelings or they're commies and blah, blah, blah. Like a lot of that stuff that sounds very um, uh, obtuse or kind of painting with too big of a brush or not very granular. There's just a lot of truth to it. Like, it's just, at the end of the day, it's just a feeling. It's, I want it to work, so it will work. That's it. That's the, that's the, the entire kind of justification for leftism is I feel like it should work. That's it. That is, the, that is yeah. it. All of, and it's all dressed up in pretty language, and people can go get degrees in social justice and publish articles. But at the end of the day, the, it all comes back to I feel it. I want it. Well, uh, not an argument. So here's the, here's the other interesting thing about your you, you talking about secession and what would happen if that actually happened now. No, it seems impossible to conceive of that. But uh, let's just engage in this thought experiment for a second more. Tax Terra in chat was saying, you know, Texas is being infested with parasites, you know, as we speak or something to that effect. Yes. Which is true. But I think what would happen the, the same way you pointed out that if you're in a quote unquote blue state with a red border, that those counties 
you know, might move. Um, I think you would see the same thing maybe in a state like Texas that is still red but has large blue centers and growing, growing blue centers. I think that I think that if Texas in a in this you know fantasy world where if Texas and a bunch of other states seceded, I would I'm just imagining what would happen. I'm thinking of all the woke people I know in Austin. I think they would move. Oh yeah, I think they would too. If if it was if Colorado became part of the People's Republic of the United States and Texas came became part of America or whatever whatever they were named, uh, yeah, I think I think I think you would have them empty out largely, not not all of them, but they would leave. not all, but I think a lot of them would leave. Yeah, yeah, and you would have. I'll say right now, I think there's a lot of people because I talk to them. A lot of them are in our audience. There's a lot of people who are, who are in a place where they feel like it's a whole like politically not a match for them culturally not a match they don't know where to go right they're like well where do i move do i go do i give up and go to the back hills of idaho do i go to austin to try and save a state like what do i do um and if there was if they had a door open to them that was that was promising that was like well look there are some places that are going in this direction uh I mean, it would make my decision easier. I, you know, I do want to get out of California. I've got personal reasons why I'm stuck here, but I'm not sure where I would go right now. Anyway, I'm not sure where to choose. But if there, were, if it was clear, uh, that would be very easy, right? It would be yeah. easy. It's interesting. So, uh, Beverly still doesn't like the mics. All right, Beverly, I'll I'll turn it down. Is it doesn't look? Do you too guys hot. agree? Well, ask ask everyone else. Is my mic too high in car? Yeah, I know Carrie just broke up, but she's asking if her mic is too high and mine is too low. So, if you disagree with that, tell me because I just reacted to it. So, um, all right. <sighs> okay. Can I? Oh, let's do some super chats before I do the next thing. Um, Actually, this super chat, I feel like I, okay, I don't even know what to say about this. Mandy, you know I only pretend to speak Russian, so I don't even know how to pronounce this. Mandy gives us five bucks and says something in Russian. Carrie, do you want to, uh, I can't even, I can't even copy and, and tr Google translate this, so I don't know what to say about it. Thank you, Mandy. Other than thank you, Mandy. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Wait, does that mean thank you? What means thank you? I think it's, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's Dosvidanya. All right, we'll we'll scroll and get to some others. Um, problem being says, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, the golden thank you. Azda. I don't know what that is a reference to, but thank you, thank you. Do you know what that's a reference to? No. All right, let's scroll. I don't. We don't have many. I just want to get it through them. Otherwise, okay. Uh, Otherwise, they get so far back in the feed that we'll just miss them forever. Uh, Jenilyn. Hey, Jenilyn. Welcome. Oh, hey, Jen. <laughs> Jenilyn says, I posted a friend of a friend's contemptuous response to Alan West in the book club Facebook group a little while ago. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's... Oh, Golden Asda is uh, some, a Twitter name. Oh. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. I, uh, uh, go ahead. No, no, continue. Let's get through these. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I, I was just going to say really quickly that um, I'm bothered by how I wish the left would just follow through. They always promise to move to Canada or like 
secede or something, and they never do any of it. Uh, maybe we should follow through when we when we threaten to secede. Tax Terror says, I am Texan. When I was a child, only crazy people talked secession. Ordinary Texans have seriously been discussing secession since the Obama administration. Yeah. Really? Right? Really? Yeah, of course. I, I remember Obama was a big deal because I know a lot of people were, were lured in by his uh, charm. Like, he was a charming guy, and I know a lot of people were lured in. Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you right now, from my perspective, Obama was one of the first presidents that I remember who I had a – and, again, this is just a feeling. This is not an argument. But he made me feel like he actually doesn't like America. Like, I hated Bill Clinton. Really? Yeah, I hated Bill Clinton. But I, but I felt like, eh, he likes, he's a power monger. He likes America well enough. Didn't like George Bush, power monger, likes America well enough. Obama, I felt like he had contempt for regular Americans and for America generally. Um, and it was, it's his, it was his way of speaking. It was his style. It was just, he, he had a lot of, con he got away with a lot of condescension. And the media never called him out on it. Because they all felt like he was a good-looking guy who they wanted to go out with for a beer, and plus he was on the left, so they loved him. Um, but I, Obama did. There was a negative. There was a negative vibe that a lot of people felt about Obama. So I'm not surprised that in Texas they. I mean, I, I actually knew that they, they had started to talk about secession. They started talking about it in other states as well. Um, yeah, it's weird because I. It's hard for me to go back in. You know, I can't go back in time. And look at Obama with the eyes that I have now, the knowledge or, you know, where I'm at now is different. And so I have to just kind of look back and see, well, what would I think about those things now? You know, at the time I had rose colored glasses about him and right. there are some things I can look back at now and see differently. I look, for example, when he made his comment about people clinging to guns and their God, right at the time being a social justice person, I, I was like, right on. I mean, right, but that's as a social justice person, you had but contempt now, for America. Yes, I did. I had contempt for Christians. For mm -hmm. I had contempt for, and, and I was a gun owner, but I had contempt for, I saw I saw myself, I set myself apart somehow. Like, I'm, I'm a liberal gun owner, you know, and I set myself apart for, I definitely looked down my nose at, at, people um who i no longer look down my nose at and i'm ashamed for having done so um but so that's a, that's one thing that i can look back at and say okay yeah i can rem i remember that quote and i view that quote it's completely differently now and it's contemptuous you're right yeah i just wonder how many of those things i i you know the quotes i don't remember and stuff i just remember I, you know i remember that one but maybe there were maybe he was constantly being um, condescending and I just missed it because I agreed with him. Yeah. I mean, I, it, again, for me, I just remember the vibe of him and he would speak like every time he spoke, i I came away feeling, well, he's articulate, uh, but he uses uh, very vague language and a very condescending tone towards the foundation of America. Um, like he really doesn't like America, like what America actually is. He doesn't like it. Um, and again, that's not an argument. That was my feeling. But I think a lot of people shared that feeling. And that's why that's why there was some, some pushback there. Um, all right, Mandy. 
Maybe she's going to give us the Russian translation. Mandy says, the Texas lawsuit was pretty much us aiming a Colt Magnum at the Biden swing states and pulling the hammer back as they run away screaming. Uh, I guess. I mean, you're thinking that you'll you'll stop people from from swarming into Texas? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it might just be that you'll have this will be used as fodder for the leftist insurgents in Texas to recruit and say, we need more people. Texas is, you know, we're almost there. We need, you know, we just, we, there's still problems and, you know, we need Beto. Or They're going to use it to recruit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look how crazy, look how crazy the people are in charge. We can get in charge. Mandy also says, she gives us another one and says, uh, nobody would mess with Texas. We have Chuck Norris, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Carrie. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope. And now Let's we hope have Texas. Elon Musk and Joe Rogan. That's true. That's true. Elon Musk and Joe Rogan. Elon, I don't. Elon doesn't strike me as super against any particular thing. I think he's much more of a pragmatist. But uh, all right, I think. Uh, no. Matt a, Deckard. There's at least one more. Sorry, uh, I don't see it yet. Uh, Matt Deckard, yeah, you want to read it? Matt Deckard says, my Klingon is better than my Russian. Thank <laughs> you, sir. Yeah. I don't... Kapla, that's all I know in Klingon. I don't even know what it means. Gary Thomas. Hi, guys. Did you hear Governor Quo was me too I heard it, but I don't know the details. Do you know the details? Yes. So one of his staff members who's currently running for office in New York, I think, oh, how can we? Uh, she, who's, a, who's a Democrat, who's on the left, she just came out and said that he continually sexually harassed her. And I'm, I think that's an interesting one. It, it'll be interesting to see how the press treats it, because we know how they treated Tara Reid's allegations against Joe Biden. They have a complete double standard. So. Yep. Um, do you want to read Andrew Joyner's next, Carrie? Andrew, thank you. Says, ever thought of interviewing Bridget Phetasy? She's good fun and smart most of the time. Actually, this is great timing because she and I messaged two, oh, like about two years ago. She messaged me and said, I want to talk to you. And I said, yeah, I do. I want to talk to you too. And then both of us just let the ball drop and never talked. And then out of the blue this week, she messaged again and said, we should still talk. <laughs> You know, I'm like, yes, it's been two years. So, yeah, we are currently, we're going to figure something out. Either she'll come on our show or I'll go on hers or something. We'll figure it out. But okay. I like her. And I, I told her, she's one of those people who, a few years ago, I, I she was tweeting about her sobriety and the way in which she wrote about her own uh, kind of problem drinking uh, really resonated with me or it stuck with me. You know, these little things will stick with you. And so I got the chance to tell her while we we're talking this week, you know, thank you for that. Cause it, I remembered it. Like it affected me, even though I didn't stop drinking r right then. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I appreciate her for that. Um, Pirate Tomsky, Pirate Tomsky says he gives us five pounds and says, Obama equals greatest president ever wins Nobel prize for existing and then proceeds to bomb the shizzle out of foreign nations. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Obama's, one of Obama's, Obama's biggest accomplishments, I think, was to undermine the validity of the Nobel Prize, as if it wasn't already 
the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, Yasser Arafat had already received it, so it already was kind of meaningless, but I think a lot of people recognize, like, oh, this is really just bullcrap. Uh, this guy, he, he did literally nothing, earned it, and then did some bombing. Chris Patterson. Chris says, per Carter's Obama comment, my mother, who loved everybody and never had a bad thing to say about anyone, repeatedly said, I do not like that man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I was the only one. So. All right. I think we made it through. Oh, did you just message me, Carrie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, don't worry. You can meet you later. Oh, oh. This is unrelated. <laughs> you can't. We can't just have yeah. other conversations. I can't. You know I can't multitask. <laughs> you maybe can't show up on time normally. I can't multitask at all. I am not a multitasker. I can, multi I've, I can multitask. Of, I'm knitting under the table. I'm kidding. I'm not. Joke. <laughs> 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 okay uh actually uh chris says that elon musk oh wait he just deleted it <laughs> he retracted it never mind there was an interesting thing he said in chat but it's gone um do you have anything else you want to talk about i've got some other stuff but it's kind of weird let me hear what's on your list let's do it i have a weird thing on my list um and it relates to the sign behind me and it's uh it's because of a conversation I had with a buddy of mine on Saturday. Uh, the sign behind me, for those listening, says Matter Not Magic. And and it does not relate to my Santa hat, which is clearly magic. Um, how do I kick this off? So, <sighs> we're very comfortable in modern society. And we have lots of things that we take for granted, which I know sounds very vague, but let me get specific. Um, all of the green technology that people talk about and the phone that you use and your computer and your car and the stuff that plays Netflix for you and your TV and all of your little devices and your little Fitbit and all your stuff. And not just your consumer products, but uh, the... Um, fertilizer that agriculture uses so that you can get your food uh, at the store and GPS equipment and entire supply chains and like entire businesses, all the stuff that makes modern life livable uh, and makes it, or makes our standard, the standard of living is as high as it is. All that stuff, um, it's not magic. They're not magic things. And and I know that sounds trite, but you know how people used to go out, and people still do this. They say, well, I want to get back to nature. I want to go take a hike to remind me, like, get back to nature, right? Um, I want to go, or or people will even talk about, uh, remember where your food comes from. It's And they, they focus on the fact that there's a plant and, you know, the sun and water and, you know, okay. that And that's nice. It's good to remember that, you know, the sun is important and plants are important and animals are important. That's all nice. But you know what's also really important, actually critical to every single person listening is, and this is going to sound, sound, it's going to sound lame, uh, rare earth metals, mining generally, but rare earth metals, um, rare earth metals. And they're, uh, my friend informed me they're not actually rare. They're just named rare earth metals, which is good, I guess. Um, they include things like neodymium cerium, lanthanum, uh, stuff that you probably haven't heard of, stuff like on, the, I don't think you can see my 
periodic table, but you know, stuff way over in the areas of the periodic table that you ignored when you were in junior high school doing chemistry, <laughs> right? All that stuff is actually super important. Um, in fact, I just, just to give you an idea of how important some of this stuff is that you maybe don't think about very much. Um, let's see. Cerium goes into automotive catalytic converters, glass screens on electronic devices. Lanthanum is used for fuel cells, batteries, catalysts for refining petroleum. By the way, all plastics come from petroleum refinement. So anything in your life that's plastic. Um, so the, all this stuff, oh, um, obviously neodymium and other uh, metals used for uh, motors, generators, sensors, disk drives. Everything about your life requires that someone rip a metal out of the ground and undergo actually kind of an extensive processing process to refine that metal so that you can use it um, and so that it can be in your cell phone or whatever. And I know this sounds really lame to, to think that we should care about this. However, uh, because we live in a culture which vilifies any it kind of vilifies things like mining, right? Like kids don't grow up, kids like, oh, bad for the environment, bad for this, blah, 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 blah. And they have this fantasy world where we're gonna have uh, solar panels, right? Which require, or, or windmills, which require huge amounts of this stuff, right? We are in a situation now in which basically China controls all of it. Basically China. A few other spots, but almost all controlled by China. And so my, my friend was telling me some problems that he was having with this. And I I looked up because I was like, okay, well, let me see if this is true. So I, I looked up the, the, the article that I found immediately. I didn't realize the date at first, which I'll tell you in a minute. But the article that I looked up immediately, I said, okay, well, how much is controlled by China? I mean, you know, can, is it all of it? This article says, today, 90% of the world's rare earths are produced in China. It would be closer to 100%, but for Molycorp's output of cerium, lanthanum, neodymium, and praseodymium. I can't even, oxides and carbonates. And then I looked back here and went, oh, this is from 2015. And then I clicked on Molycorp. Oops, they went out of business. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> it turns out they were purchased. They were using this mine, the Mountain Pass mine. It's the only rare earth mining and processing facility in all, all of the United States. The only one. Um, Jeff Green, a rare earth lobbyist, said, we are going to be 100% reliant on the Chinese to make the components for the defense supply chain. That's nice. That's nice. That's where we are. And I, I don't want to go into, in, into too much depth about the, the mining industry because I know that's not what people necessarily want to hear, and I'm not actually prepared to go too much into it. But um, one of the problems that we've got is we have technical expertise gone. It's all in China, all of it. Uh, here's a quote from the people that are operating that mine now. Um, he's talking about China, and he says, quote, they actually have a lot of knowledge on rare earths that, quite frankly, over the years, the U.S. has unfortunately lost. They actually mine their stuff and they ship it to China to be processed because we can't process it here. One of the reasons we wow. can't process it here 
yeah, one of the reasons we can't process it is we've lost the knowledge. One of the reasons we've lost the knowledge is all the not-in-my-backyard regulations on everything, all of the uh, overreaction, all of the hypersensitive overreaction to anything to do with mining and caustic chemicals and processing, all of that, because we overreact to everything, no one can get permits. The industry has been complaining about permits for decades. No one can get permits. You can't you can't get a permit. It takes five times longer to get per, to permit a mine in the U.S. than it does in Canada or Australia. So, and that's just the mine. I don't know what the processing. I have no no idea. So, you've got this. We have this modern society built on all of these devices that we have basically outlawed for all intents and purposes. We basically regulated away and or outlawed the ability to produce the raw materials necessary to make everything that we rely on. And they're all being made by China. They're all being made by China. So here's the process that really bothers me. We regulate this stuff away. And then we have experts come in and say, oh, well, now it's a national defense problem. Now, of course, it's not just a national defense problem. It's like a general problem that it's regulated away. But okay, now it's a national defense problem. So what's the solution? It's never to deregulate it. It's never to, it's never to be like, oops, we shouldn't have done this. We should make it easier, blah, blah, blah. We should get out of the way. It's, well, now we have to get involved in the production. Now we have to subsidize it. Now the defense industry needs to be involved in the making of it. This is, this is how things become authoritarian and social. This is one of the paths of getting to authoritarianism is you tighten things down until they're unworkable. They go somewhere else. Now it's a national defense problem. Now you justify the federal government getting involved in doing something that they didn't need to be doing at all in the first place. If they just weren't involved in the first place, we would be, and it's not like we don't have minds. It's like, here, let us fix this problem we created. Yes. And I, you know, one of the things that my friend was complaining about was there's a personnel problem, a huge personnel problem, because no one growing up now, if you're a young person and you're thinking about what uh, what to do um, for your career or what majors to major in or whatever, um, look, I, there's a dearth of mining expertise and a dearth of processing expertise. There's just, they can't find people. They can't find people to do this. They're because all in China. Well, they're, or they're majoring in food dance. They're majoring in food dance. Yeah, absolutely. They're majoring in food dance. And someone said, Carter, China's an environmental disaster. That may be. I'm not saying there is an environmental impact. But the way to deal with that environmental impact is to say, okay, well, there needs to be some kind of reasonable allowance. We, we need to figure out how to let it happen, not just ban everything, Right. Um, nuclear power is an example of something that's been banned for no particular reason, right? I mean, it's, it's propaganda. It's fear and propaganda, fear and propaganda. And yeah, do we have to be as dirty as China? No, I'm not suggesting that we, that we completely dirty our environment, but we do need to, we do need to let companies do things. Canada and Australia, as I mentioned earlier, they're permitting for a mine is takes one fifth of the time. Well, that translates into dollars. What is Canada a cesspool? Is Australia horribly dirty environmentally? No. It this thing's this stuff is is possible, but I it, it's 
it makes me concerned because this is just one industry. It was one industry we looked at, right? Just, and, I, and I only had to have, happen to have this conversation because my buddy is in the mining industry, right? So, uh, you know, he could give me some information about this. But it's a we are experiencing, I don't want to call it a brain drain because it's not like, it's not like our our smart scientists are leaving the United States to go elsewhere, which is typically what you call a brain drain. It's it's like a knowledge. It's like a knowledge. It's like knowledge atrophy. It's like brain atrophy. <laughs> We're just not doing it anymore, and other people are. And so you can complain about the environmental impact of things all you want, but it's it, unless you're living in a log cabin with no electronic equipment you're just and no modern medicine you're kind of being a hypocrite we need these we need to to produce these things and we can't rely on china to produce them um and we can't rely on on other countries to build the knowledge base of the future and that's what we're doing I, and i like i look at this and i go my you know my friend and i were talking and we're like well i there's no way America can compete in the future if this doesn't like there's no way that we can there's no way we maintain world power status zero. I mean it's basically Russia and China that do all this stuff and what like what are we going to do? What are we possibly going to do? They don't have to go to war with us. They just have to not sell us the materials we need to do stuff. Yeah. You know this is this makes me think it first of all thank you. I have no idea about this. I think part of the problem is nobody even thinks about this stuff. And why would we? And and this also relates to your point about our inability to look into the future and to project yes. where we're going to be. And um, it also makes me think of earlier this year, I read an article about how much of our pharmaceuticals are produced in China. And, you know, it, it just seems That's like we've example. outsourced everything to them. Um, somebody in chat, wonder free... Freeman says we should get James Kennedy on the show. I don't know who that is, but uh, they said he's a top USA rare earth expert. Oh, cool. All right. I mean, uh, it would be good to do a whole episode about this because I'd like I don't to get an expert on it. it. Yeah, because I have a yeah. very high level understanding and I did some internet research, but you know, I'm not a, I have no mining expertise. Like, I, I don't, I don't know about this too much. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, it's depressing when I look at the future of the United States and I see like, oh, we're busy worrying about microaggressions. Yeah. And China's like, how can we more efficiently refine neodymium? Like, okay, they win. Like that yeah. that's that's how that works in the real world, guys. Uh, you know, all of your microaggressions yeah. in the world, all your expertise there won't make an iPhone. And actually, all of your coding in the world won't make an iPhone. You can be a code monkey all day long and the best software engineer in the world, but it runs on physical things. Everything around you, with the exception of things that are clearly organic that have grown, everything around you is stripped from the earth and processed by people like engineers with some specific discipline. Either petroleum engineers, uh, chemical engineers who are making plastics or people uh you know mining stuff and and refining it like all this stuff is made 
this stuff around you is made physically. And and I think we've we've gotten to this point where we forget that we live in a physical world. Even your online virtual world is supported by a physical infrastructure. And if you don't have the ability to produce that physical infrastructure, um, you're not the one running the system, right? You're the, you're the animal. If you're not the one making the fences and providing the barn and doing all the physical things and making the grain, you're the animal. If you're just consuming yeah. it, you're the animal. Uh, and I don't know, it's just kind of scary to me. I, I felt a little bit better that I'm making my daughter take Mandarin because... I was like, well, maybe she'll survive in the future. She she'll speak Mandarin. Um, but I I don't mean to be depressed, depressing about it. But no, it's you're not depressing. It, this is a a weighty subject, and yeah, so, I'd like yeah, to do it. Let's have that person on. Let's have someone on who yeah. can talk about this in detail because uh, it's a real issue. And my guess is. This is one of a dozen real issues that we just don't – pharmaceutical, you just brought up that. There's there's lots of these issues that we just don't bring up, and we are so complacent. We are so fat and lazy and like – Our whole culture is arguing about her name is Dr. Jill Biden. Get used to it. You know, like who cares? Right. right. There are actual important right. things. That's, that's a presidential candidate, you know. <laughs> Right. That's that former Secretary of State is wasting her time getting into some manufactured BS, you know, faux outrage cycle, a press right. cycle. That's all it is. We're con constantly distracted. The social justice stuff that we push back against is it is important to push back against it because Certainly. It, it is a major distraction and it is destroying this country. Um, not just by, not just because it's bad ideology and it's teaching us to engage in racism and sexism, but also because look at, look at how it, it's just taking our attention away from things that matter. We're arguing about, you know, one of the other SJW tweets I saw the past couple of days is this guy, an academic, of course probably a doctor, who knows, <laughs> arguing that gardening is racist. Gardening's racist. You know, let's have a conversation. Right. No. Right. <laughs> I, would, I would like to hear about some things that are important that I don't know about, like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know, there is, I mean, I think the, the, the thing that we are ignoring the most, like, from a, like if you just step back at a macro level, it's opportunity cost. The opportunity cost that our society is paying for all of this crap is immeasurable. I mean, it's, it's into the trillions, I'm sure. Easily. Easily. Right? I shouldn't be doing this. I was a cryptographer. I was a cryptographer. I could be doing security system stuff and, like, others. there's other stuff. I mean, like, my, like, yeah, do I like this? Yes, I'm interested. I'm loving learning about history and I like learning about things and, and whatever. But, like... We should be doing like actual things that are productive, like generally, all of us. We should be focusing on building things and making life better for humans, developing vaccines, developing new technology, building stuff. That's what we should be doing. And instead, we're arguing about, hey, how about how about we just we you know, how about we just upend the all of Western civilization and turn it on its head and overthrow yeah, it? And we're like, it's, uh, wait a yeah. minute. 
Wait a minute. Instead of having to address the destroyers, you know? Mm -hmm. And and that's the thing. The destroyers, as you're calling them, uh, the damage that they are doing just by forcing people to to avert their attention to the destroyers is is astronomical it's astronomical um i mean our our lifespan would probably be 10 years longer and would be would have way higher standards of living if this hadn't been going on for the past 50 years um it's crazy so um i don't know let me me, let's do some super chats i actually have another education related like another almost sciencey yeah. thing to talk about, but I don't have to. I'm I'm debating whether I should even talk about it today. But let's do some super chats. Paratomsky says, um, "My brother runs a chemical company in the UK, and his business is almost completely dependent on China. Lockdown almost pushed them out of business. Scary stuff." Yeah, yeah, so much, so much on, of like of the early stages of our supply chain uh, come from China, right? Um, and it's easy to sit back and write BuzzFeed articles uh, about microaggressions when you don't have to think about where the hell your clothing and food and computer come from. And by the way, a lot of fertilizers, rare earth, <laughs> rare earth metals so are used. Of like the early stages. Uh-oh. Did you, I just heard an echo. That's right. Um, all right. Matt Deckard says, I work in clothing manufacture. The U.S. doesn't have the tech to make a sneaker. Not surprising. Not surprising. Um, in fact, I've shared... I can't believe I'm going to geek out on clothing tech, but I shared a video a while ago. I don't remember if it was you know, on the show or not. Did, did I share the video of the laser-cut jeans? No. Oh, it's so cool. I'll find it. Maybe I'll find it, and, and not today, but I'll find it and play it. Uh, when my wife was in China doing some work, she was in a factory and she took a video of this. It's so cool to watch some of the like clothing manufacturing. They literally just had like the denim laid out and a laser just like cut out the jeans. It's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. I love, I love technology. Okay. Um, so we can't make sneakers, but we can brand them. Yarn Hoarder, AKA Fiber Art Freak says, just wait until China takes control of our ag. Yeah. Then we'll really be screwed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in terms of ag equipment, they probably already have control of a lot of the stuff necessary for it. There's, I think there's still ag equipment manufacturers in the U.S. But um, And think of how, how expensive it is if things need – even if we mine stuff, but it needs to be like the knowledge to refine it and the ability to refine it is in China. we got to ship it overseas and ship it back. I mean that's not – that is not the most efficient and or – uh, we'll say safe from a national security perspective thing to have to do. Um, all right, let's scroll. M Tax Shark. I got this one. Okay, great. says great chat. My take: Why take any risk in the U.S. with mining nuclear pool over one foot deep when a hun- when hundreds of trial lawyers are waiting to sue? Accept risk. Right, right. Well, that's the thing, and I, I you know. This is the thing that pisses me off about. Oh, what was this? You're reminding me of something else. Tax Sharks reminded me. Was it uh, who just went public recently? DoorDash? Did DoorDash just go public? I think they did recently. DoorDash just went public recently. And uh, <laughs> we had there was articles about, well, the founders made billions, but the DoorDash drivers didn't get anything. And 
Uh, I'm sorry, Marie Busky, but I'm going to break it out right now. Fuck you. That's my, that's my, not to Marie, uh, to the people who say this stuff. Uh, Look, entrepreneurs are the lifeblood of an economy. I'm not just saying that because I was an entrepreneur, although I do like that I was an entrepreneur. (laughs) But yeah, entrepreneurs, I mean, they are the lifeblood of an economy. They risk their lives. They work incredible amount of, not their, their livelihoods, not their lives. They risk their livelihoods. They risk their money. They they take huge, enormous risks. Often they get divorced because of the toll on their families. They work insane amount of hours. And nine times out of 10, they fail. They fail. After all that, they end up destitute and fail. And they get up and they do it again. And... You know, these people come along and they're like, give me a job. I want a paycheck. I want a steady job and a paycheck. And I want regulations to guarantee that I have health care and this and that and the other. And also I want to be classified as an employee. And blah, 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 blah. I want all this stuff from you. You got to guarantee me all this stuff. I don't want to take any risk. I want to be guaranteed all this stuff. I want no risk. But when you take the risk and then get a reward, I'm going to whine that I don't get part of the reward. I want socialism when you succeed. But I want capitalism when you fail. There is well. nothing more abhorrent than that attitude to me. You want you want a part of the company when they succeed, then you got to get a part of the company when they fail. You DoorDash drivers could have totally done that. I'm sure I'm sure early employees could have been like I'll take stock instead instead of a salary. But you weren't willing to do that cuz you needed a salary and you didn't want to take the risk. The founders took the risk. I don't know about DoorDash in particular how it worked, but DoorDash, I'm just using as an example, founders take the risk, and that's why they get the reward. You want to take the risk, you get the reward. They also get their ass handed to them most of the time. It mostly doesn't work out. And this attitude that we're starting to see of like, the the founder shouldn't make so much money. You know, just, just F off. F off. You can go start a company. You take the risk. You do it. Stop telling other people what they shouldn't get. And stop being a parasite after success. When they go bankrupt, do you want to be responsible for the company debt? Because that, like, do you want to be the one to have to declare bankruptcy? Do you want to lose your money in time? It takes, it takes entrepreneurs to get a business to the point where they can guarantee you payroll every month. That's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. And it is like it is a petty, pathetic entitlement attitude that I can't stand that has has that that this nation, these generations have adopted in this nation. And let me tell you something. It is does not exist in in countries that are coming of age like China. You don't see that in China. When someone succeeds in China with a business, you see envy. And hard work. You don't see they owe me blanket. You don't see entitlement. Mm. You're not entitled to that. I might not like Mark Zuckerberg personally or whatever, but he he's enti- he built it. He's entitled to it. You didn't take the risk. You didn't drop out of Harvard to do this. He did. I'm sorry. It pisses me off. I appreciate that. <laughs> I would give you a standing ovation. Yeah. I You're... You're speaking to something I don't have a lot of uh, 
passion about myself, but I completely, you're helping me. I knew me because I, I ha- no, yeah. but you're helping me to feel yours. Just like yeah, if I look, go to a sports I've lost, game, I'm not really into the team, but my friend is. And thank yeah, you. Yeah, I've lost a lot of money. I have failed miserably being a founder. I mean, I've, I've succeeded as well, but like those failures hurt. You can't imagine how much they hurt. Like, they, like I, I would have been way off, just way better off taking a job somewhere and earning my little 401k and doing my thing. Like, orders of magnitude better in those cases. Those failures hurt. Yeah. But you get up and you do it again. And like, that is what makes the economy. Because if there are no entrepreneurs, none of you entitled shits get your job promised to you. The, the company doesn't exist and you don't get your job. Jobs don't come down from heaven. They're not, they don't get, you know, they don't just rise out of the ground magically. Jobs happen because someone built a company. Someone took the risk. Okay. Pirate Tomsky. Someone says my speech would work better <laughs> if I wasn't getting angry and wearing a Santa hat at the same time. That is a great point. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not trying to get angry, but like it's a personal one that does bother me and the Santa hat doesn't really go with I like it. The Santa hat gives it a bit of levity. Okay. Pirate You're on Tomsky. my naughty list, all of you entitled people. <laughs> uh, Pirate Tomsky says, James Lindsay said that wokeism grows out of the side of a competent society. The more focus on that the more focus on that, less we focus on core of what made the society originally work. Yeah, that's yes. his tree analogy, like the, the extra yeah. like grafted thing coming on. Yeah, yeah. Like also like, yeah, I think he's talked about social justice growing out of the side of liberalism. Um, I just missed, it's moving fast. I just missed the next one. Can you grab it? Uh, the next one's Tax Terra. And she said, the brain drain issue is an issue across all dirty jobs and industries, oil and gas, ag, mining, skilled trades. Yes, yes, Tax Terra. And this... Man, again, I know I do in like a don't go to college rant. If but look, it, okay, if you're gonna go to uh, Harvard Medical School, I guess, and you really want to be a doctor, like fine, you got to go to school. Great, like if that's your trajectory, fine. Uh, you're gonna go be a you know PhD in nuclear physics. Great, go to MIT. Um, if you're not sure what you want to do, <laughs> or or you're gonna maybe major in sociology, or because why not? Uh, don't, don't go to school. I mean, no one wants to be a plumber. No one wants to be an electrician anymore. And I really think those industries are gonna be making bank because they there's a real need. Like people forget that physical things exist. You need to like electricity has to get to your house. Someone has to lay cable. Someone needs to make sure this stuff works. Someone needs to do the plumbing. Like all that stuff matters. The trades matter. Um, and we don't, we don't do that anymore. It used to be when you graduated high school, if you weren't going to be college material, we would usher you into a trade and we would have a, there would be a, a, a pretty good apprenticeship program in, in places and there would be infrastructure there and you would, you would get into a trade and, and make money and, and, and live a happy life and raise a family all, all based on your trade. Now everyone is told they've, well, Sorry, you've got to take out $50,000 in loans so that you can go get a degree in psychology so that you can be a barista. Like, yeah. okay. Okay. Um, but <laughs> I just sent you speaking of Harvard Medical. Yeah, I, I when I said that I was like, "Uh-oh, Carrie's going to bring up the Harvard yeah. Medical is not a great example." <laughs> well, 
No, I mean, it's just even, even the wokeism has infected and is currently decaying even medical schools. And this is something that a friend sent me or shared with me um, in the past two days. It's a tweet from Harvard Med postgraduate. And uh, it's from their official Twitter. And they said, globally, ethnic minority pregnant and birthing people. What does that mean? Okay, hold on. (laughs) Globally, ethnic minority pregnant and birthing people suffer worse outcomes and experiences during and after pregnancy and childbirth. These inequalities have been further highlighted by COVID-19. Watch this panel discussion on hashtag maternal justice. You know how they, social justice people, they try to put everything, they give everything this justice moniker. It's like environmental justice and, you know, gardening justice and (laughs) fat dance justice, fat dance justice and, or food dance justice and maternal justice. Anyway, so then they did a follow-up tweet and they said, the webinar panelists in the thing that they linked, right? The webinar yeah. panelists used the term birthing person in order to include those who identify as non-binary or transgender because not all who give birth identify as women or girls. We understand the reactions to this terminology and in no way meant to erase or dehumanize women. But you did. But you did erase women. And, uh, you know, birthing person, we've already... The Wokies have called us in the past couple of years. We've been called menstruators, uh, person with a uterus, person with a person with a cervix, and now birthing people. Um, we're women, and <laughs> this is Harvard Med. And my friend who shared it with me, I said, you know, it's actually not surprising to me. It should be, but it's not surprising because speaking of my former friends who are deep into social justice, the the one who's the the food dance doctor, there's another who spent the past six years, okay, this friend spent the last six years working at Harvard Medical School, no medical background whatsoever. Her background is in comedy and activism, you know, working at places like the ACLU and other places that have become overtaken by social justice ideology. Got a job at Harvard Medical as the director of LGBTQIA plus whatever inclusion. And her entire job for six years was to indoctrinate Harvard medical students and medical students across the country because they would send her to conventions where she would do seminars with other med students because she's from Harvard to indoctrinate them that biological, among other things, that biological sex is a social construct and that being fat is not unhealthy. Medical okay. students. That was her yeah. job. It's anti-science is what it is. It's anti-science. Yeah. So yeah. just to your point about, it, yes, go to school if there are certain things like the hard sciences. I, I completely agree. But just be aware if you've got a kid who's going to medical school, even Harvard Medical School, they're still going to encounter this. Just try and oh, prepare yeah. them. Yeah. And in fact, I, I would argue that for most hard sciences, even, or for most, well, I'll say for most engineering work, I don't think you need an engineering degree. There are some things that you do need, like if you want to teach or you want to be a doctor, obviously you have to get cert. like, we've got a system where you have to be certified. But if you want to be a software engineer, uh, spend four years on your GitHub repository for free and <laughs> work at McDonald's, <laughs> like, you know, uh, do something, you know, build stuff. Um, 
All right, Revelator 37 says they'll shut down all coal-fired electric plants and then complain when the electric grid dies in a brutal summer. Came close in 08 and 09. Yep, exactly what they'll do. Um, yeah. Can I Can I just read this? This is not a super chat, but I wanted mm-hmm. to read this chat from uh, Sue Escobar. I think, uh, Sue says, I got my PhD in 2000, a JD in 1998. I've been told that I'm not a real doctor. Who the F cares? <laughs> I don't need someone else to validate my worth. I validate my own worth. I'm priceless. LOL. Yes. Thank you, Sue. That's that's kind of, that was my opinion on it is I was thinking, if I had a PhD, I don't think I would care about any of this. <laughs> Who cares? Right. We've had we've had uh, doctors on our show. I mean, there, there are, uh, well, Dr. William Allen. We've had professors, uh, you know, historians and- uh, Isn't James it, Lindsay, Lindsay a PhD? I think, I think he is. Yeah, I don't- it, yeah. My respect for someone is not based on that title alone. Are we living in a world where that where I well, think it is for the no, people you have who to are understand offended? It, it is the left lives in a world of credentialism matters. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Do I give a, a certain amount of weight to it when I'm meeting someone new and I don't know anything about them? And that yes, of course. I'm like, oh well, they have experience in whatever their field is, food, dance, et cetera. <laughs> For example, sorry, <laughs> sorry, but they have experience in food dance that I don't have. So if they're talking about food and dance, I might, yes, take their opinion more seriously. But overall, it's just one minor, small factor in uh, who a person is, how they present themselves, how they present their arguments. Um, you know, there are medical doctors I don't have any respect for because they haven't given me reason to have it. If the degree alone were the only thing that we measured respect by then I think I think we'd be focusing just on entirely superficial things. So thank you, Sue, because that was my feeling is like, are do people with PhDs, are they really offended by this? Who who cares what other people say? Um, yeah. But we but we do live in we do live in a world where credentials are we live in an anti science we're like post science and we're in we're into science credentials, not science. Um, and so that's how every, that's how the left does everything. They find someone credentialed who says what they want. And then they say, don't you believe science, this credentialed person. And they love, they love credentials. They love credentials. Um, so, uh, but credentials only matter, uh, credentials only matter to the extent that they're measuring something that matters. Uh, and if they're not, then they don't matter. So, and I think people are realizing what credentials matter and what don't. So Le- leftist or lettuce in the chat says credential justice. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag credential justice. Okay. Uh, President sorry. elect Tatiana Fisk says parents need to start encouraging your kids to do the dirty jobs. Make blue collar cool again. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with that. Tatiana Fisk. Um, yeah, some basic economics. And some skills would go a long way. Uh, Calgirl Carpentry. Hey, she's a new subscriber. Calgirl Carpentry. And she says, a joint study by the Pentagon and the United States Geological Survey, Afghanistan has an estimated $7 trillion of untapped minerals. There you go. Uh, But instead of doing anything to help extract those and bring them into the free market, we're just going to bomb people and hide out in caves. We're going to play war games in Afghanistan. And train people to uh, turn on us later. Because that's what the CIA is good at. All right. Um, let's see. Jupiter 1777. 
says, fair argument, Carter, but should there be limits on CEO executive salaries? Also, thoughts on small businesses suffering slash big tech corp getting richer? Well, I'll answer the, I mean, we've answered the second one before, so that will be an easy one. Uh, should there be limits? Yes, there should be limits on CEO and executive salary, and those limits should be placed by the board of directors who decide how much the CEO and executives are worth. That's how companies work. Companies are voluntary associations between people, and the executive has his salary limited by the board of directors and should. Uh, so in that sense, yes. When you mean, you mean should the government do it? Absolutely not. Obviously, absolutely not. Um, the government has no right to step in and, and say how much a CEO should, should or shouldn't earn in any case. Um, and actually, I think it's probably one of the most destructive things you can do because upsetting the market in any area, like government regulation in anything, like minimum wage is going to accept the price. You know, you throw a minimum wage law together. It will affect the price of low-wage workers and actually will devastate low-wage workers. That's it, it can. It can have huge impacts. But it's not going to affect too much the vice president of the company or the, like the higher levels. If you screw around with compensation for CEOs, you'll stop getting the best person for the job. You'll distort the market. Um, and the moment that you distort the market at the CEO level, you entire companies will be driven into the ground. Um, in, like running a company is not easy. I can't imagine, I would never want to run a publicly traded company. I, I would, I would like, there's no way in hell I would want to run a publicly traded company. It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, and if the CEO isn't worth it, um, they'll get fired. Now, do I think CEOs are overcompensated? Yes. I think culturally we value, uh, I think if I were on the board of directors of a publicly traded company, I would argue for more stock compensation and less salary compensation for CEOs, I would I would like alignment with company success a lot more than you normally see. Um, so I disagree with a lot of the compensation packages, but I would, people need to have the freedom to figure that out themselves. You, as soon as you insert the government there, I mean, man, you think a bunch of stupid bureaucrats in Washington can, should have an input into how much people should be compensated to run major international corporations. You've got to be kidding me. That's one of the dumbest things I can imagine. You want one of the, you want those corporations to get run into the ground, get bureaucrats involved in the boardroom. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, so yeah. Okay. You got to do the next one. I can't find it. Uh, uh, Jordy Buckner. Jordy Buckner Jordy. says, sorry, did you want to read it? No, I, I oh. just said thank you. Oh, in the Netherlands, plumbers and electricians are making a killing. I went to school for it, and most people I know are making ridiculous salaries. Yeah, I think it's already starting that you can you can make good money doing that. Um, but I guess it's not as cool as writing PhD thesis on dancing vegetables or whatever. food food. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, President-elect Tatiana Fisk says the left the left's language is dehumanizing period it's all about dehumanizing and putting people in a collective so sad yeah well because the left is fundamentally about collectivism um which just as that a reminder, sounds like go ahead that sounds like something a birthing person would say <laughs> yeah 
Just as a reminder, collectivism is the primacy of the collective over the individual. Collectivism and community are not the same things. Don't get confused. Uh, community is great and necessary and valid and awesome. Collectivism is the primacy of the collective over the individual. There is a huge difference. Pirate Tomsky. Okay, I've got the next one. Pirate Tomsky okay. says... He gives us a super chat and says, purely for the bad Santa rant, SJWs are all on the naughty list. <laughs> they are. I love it. They're all on my naughty list. Maybe I need to gain uh, some weight and grow a beard. I can't grow a good beard, though. That's the problem. The Nicole of the Mountain People has basically just been posting nonstop memes for a couple of weeks, which has made me very happy. Uh -huh. Her page is very funny. And she posted this meme last night that it made me laugh so hard i don't know why i think it was just because it got me it was a it was a vintage picture of you know an art art um piece of santa and it said um uh oh it's ah uh, i saved it hold on it made me laugh out loud okay <laughs> see if you can see that it says it's beginning to look a lot like Biden cheated. <laughs> I think it made me laugh because I was reading in my head like the song, like it's beginning to look a lot like Biden cheated. <laughs> By the way, someone anyway, in super chat says, bad "Someone in super chat says communism is about communing with other individuals." No, no, it's not. It's a system of government based on the collective uh, control over individuals. It's not about communing. Um, I mean, I know that sounds nice. That's why it's named communism. Uh, but that's not what it is. It's not about communing voluntarily with other individuals. Uh, <laughs> nice try. It's not, it's nice not about voluntarism. It's <laughs> yeah. not voluntary. It's not I about mean, communing. The, it's not voluntary. Yeah. All right. Well, um, they say it's about communing, but even, but even if they were right, that it were about communing, communing, even if they were correct. Let's give them that, that if they say it's about communing with others, but it's not voluntary. Well, I don't think you can. I, involuntary communion is not communion. I don't commune involuntarily. Right. I'm like forced into like, you know, the prison population isn't of like a community voluntarily together. They're not like, hey, they're just, you know, like they don't <laughs> they're there by force. <laughs> like you can't not be there. It's not like I, I'm I'm choosing the San Quentin community. I would like to join that community. Like, uh, it's not a community. I mean, I know they, they can use the word community for it, but like, it's not, it's not a community. It's not voluntary. Uh, I don't, I don't think. It's about uh, being in prison is about coming together and communing. <laughs> oh, someone said communalism. I read wrong. They say, you read uh, wrong, you numb nut. Sorry. <laughs> communalism <laughs> is about communing. Okay. Fair enough. So I, I agree with that. Sorry. I misread it. Um, Sometimes I'm a numb nut. It's fine. It happens. Uh, yeah. Thank you for correcting me, though, because you could have just gotten pissed off and left, and uh, he fixed it. Uh, I will misspeak from time to time, but very rarely. Mostly, I'm 100% correct on everything. Just remember that, Carrie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what what else? What else do you want to talk about? Are we are we done? Because I wanted to talk about this. What's Tulsi this? Gabbard. Um, have you heard? Have you heard what she did recently? Uh, you know, I know her name was in the news recently, but I don't remember. Am I that. breaking up? No, I, you're not breaking up. Go ahead. What? Okay. So she's getting slammed by the left for a couple of things that she just did. Um, one of which was introducing a bill, um, which would 
now let me see if I can find the name of it. Um, because what she what she's calling it is is different than, of course, what they're saying. Okay, here it is. Now the media is all telling you what to think about it in the headline. They're calling it anti-trans. Uh, they're calling it bigoted in the headline itself. They're editor- editorializing in the, in the headline. Here's here's one of them. Put this one up. <clears throat> where's where's what am I seeing? Oh, here we it's go. It's on signal. All right. Let's take a look. Let's see what we got. And as you, if you, if you're new to the show, maybe you don't know, but um, okay, I voted so- for Tulsi. Tulsi was one of the only Democrats running who wasn't preaching wokeism. And I also liked her anti-interventionist approach. And uh, there's a lot of reasons why I like Tulsi Gabbard. I think she is sincere, which I know doesn't matter to some people, but it matters to me. It's also why I voted for Bernie in 2016, because I thought he was, or part of the reason why is I thought he was sincere. Um, but she was, the other reason that I was interested in her was because of the way she was mobbed by the cathedral, by the legacy media, and by by the left, by the social justice left, they treated her the way they treat Trump, which, as you pointed out before, Carter, if they're if the cathedral, if the deep state, if the woke media, if they're all going after someone, well, now I'm suddenly interested. <laughs> Why? Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's a, it's a, Why? one of the best advertisements they can do for someone is to hate on them and tell us they're horrible. Right. <laughs> That's that means they're worth so, looking into. Yeah, okay. so I sent you another I sent you the Huffington Post link about this too because they're even more biased in their headline and their coverage, of course. Yeah, which yeah, one let's do you want to see? The first? Huffington Post. Uh, let's read the Huffington Post one because it's just over the top. Okay. You want to read it? So yeah, sure. So it says Tulsi Gabbard introduces anti-transgender bill after claiming to be LGBTQ friendly. Yeah, that's a I'm that's a pretty neutral headline, right? <laughs> The white Democrat has drafted a bill to bar <laughs> schools from receiving federal funds if they allow transgender girls and women to compete in women's sports. Yeah, okay. So she's trying to protect women from... Yeah, okay. That's an annoying video. Representative Tulsi Gabbard introduced legislation in the House on Thursday that would bar schools from receiving federal funding if they allow transgender girls and women and non-binary people to compete on sports teams consistent with their gender identities. Uh, The bill, co-sponsored by Republican Mark Wayne Mullen, was met with immediate outrage from transgender activists, from loud, radical, not representative of most transgender people activists and allies who labeled the legislation blatantly transphobic. Of course, it's called... Look, she, she named it well. She knows how to name. The Protect Women's Sports Act seeks to clarify that Title IX protections are for female athletes, are based on biological sex. Yeah. Well, you know, she's right. They were. Title IX protects people from the discrimination based on sex in educational programs that receive federal financial assistance. The new bill would bar schools from receiving such funds if they permit, quote, a person whose biological sex at birth is male to participate in an athletic program or activity that is designated for women 
or girl. So that's that's pretty clear. That means if your biological sex is ambiguous because you're intersex at birth, uh, you're not barred. So they're being very generous. Um, a similar bill was introduced in the yeah. Senate. There you go. Yeah. So they're all over her, of course, and they're calling her a transphobe. I mean, it's right there in the headline. Instead of yeah. referring to it, but what she named it, of course, she's smart about naming and branding, too. She's basically saying it's pro-woman. They're saying it's anti-trans. And right. what I'm, I'm just getting... I'm getting sick of the people who are in the cathedral echo chamber, people like I used to be, who at this point, I'm just wondering, can you not see, do you not feel condescended to that they're telling you what to think in the headline? They're, they're editorializing in the headline. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't. They, a, they, because amazing. they don't want to think. So they're outsourcing their think, their think they're thinking to Huffington Post. Uh, so they, they want headlines that tell them what to think so they can go make memes and scream and, yeah. and virtue signal. So it's, you know, they're, they're not looking for information about reality. They're looking for weapons they can use at the office water cooler and on Twitter. So yeah, uh, it saves them the trouble of having to analyze the bill and decide for themselves whether or not it's transphobic and, and have an opinion about it. Uh, what they're looking for is a quick virtue signal. So it's like a fast food of virtue signaling, right? Yeah. You know, the, the harder thing is to read it yourself, but. Um, okay. Yeah. So I don't know people. I had a friend who is progressive, not mm -hmm. social justice oriented, but an actual progressive, more like Jimmy Dore. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about this with me or he sent it to me and was just like wondering what's going to happen with her. Is she going to stay in the democratic party? I don't know. I mean, I, I never really, I don't really, I, I know. I don't know what you mean when you say someone's progressive and not social justice. So uh, we've I, had this conversation before. You don't get it, but I do. Okay. Well, anyway, open up this uh, one more article about her. The, the reason I ask is because the left is pissed at her about her pro-woman bill. They're calling it anti-trans. Now, at the same time, they're angry over another bill of hers that they're saying, get this, is anti-woman. <laughs> 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 this bill's anti-woman. The other bill's anti-trans. <laughs> read about read this one. Tulsi Gabbard getting slammed from left over a bill protecting abortion survivors. Uh, Representative Tulsi Gabbard is facing a wave of backlash from the left after she introduced legislation designed to ensure infants receive proper medical care after surviving abortions. How's that anti-woman? Introduced on it's Tuesday, not. the amendment bore resemblance to another born alive bill that House Democrats rejected earlier this year. Someone on Twitter argued, some on Twitter argued that Gabbard was attacking women's rights and trying to ex address a non-existent problem. Well, if it's a non-existent problem, let it get addressed. Who cares? Uh, yeah. She introduced a redundant bill that claims to protect infants in the infinitesimally rare cases they are born. You mean like <laughs> after attempted abortions, infants are already legally protected, but in fact just criminalizes doctors, vilifies women, and fear mongers about abortion. Okay, well, I mean. So if it's okay. not happening, okay, if, 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 
babies who survive abortions are not being allowed to die and are not being denied, uh, you know, treatment, life-saving treatment after they've been born, then why would this bill bother you? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't like extra legislation for no reason, but I don't get this. I don't know the details here. So she's claiming it's already illegal. It's, I don't the know. The truth is, the truth is, and I'll tell you from someone who was in that cult, that should be cult, they view any, any, it's almost, um, you know, the way that you're, you're a second amendment absolutist. I do know the way I am. Okay. <laughs> okay. And any bill you view, you, I would say you typically, at least to me, you seem to view as an infringement. And well, any bill that infringes is an infringement. That's correct. Yeah, but there are certain, well, for example, there are certain, we've talked about in the past, there are certain things that I wouldn't have a problem with that I think might, um, like, for example, I think that states should be required to report um, their, should be required to report, report anyone who has been uh, adjudicated as mentally unfit mm -hmm. to uh, NCIS, to the background check system. Right, but I don't think and there I, should be an NCIS, so... And you don't think there should even be an NCIS. So say, for example, so, so I, that's an infringement. I kind of, it means you can't get you a view that as an infringement. Okay. So I think it's almost the same thing. These abortion people who are in this cult of woke mm -hmm. are encouraged to, it's not simply enough to say, I think abortion should be legal. They also want you to say any type of legislation around limits or protecting, for example, this even in this a case, limit around it. Yeah, but they view it all as an infringement, as some kind of slippery slope of you're just trying to do away with abortion. That's the way they view it. All right. Well, I mean, I, okay. I don't. I don't know the details of this one, but I do get that they're being hypocritical because that's what they do. Um, yeah. Actually, I'm sorry. This is a random thing, but I saw this is the the tweet that Chris published before and then retracted his message and now Beverly's putting it in chat. Uh, this is about this is Elon Musk. Maybe he is becoming anti woke oh, a little bit. Is this the one about pronouns and bio? Yeah, here's the tweet. Uh <laughs> it says when you put he him in your bio and it's a picture of a soldier in front of some dead bodies. Uh, it's a British soldier with a hat that says, I love to oppress, rubbing the blood on his face. Yes. Um, well, yeah, the woke, the woke, wokies are very mad at Elon Musk for this meme. Good for him. Maybe he's, maybe he's becoming better. That Do you know, and, and a lot of them don't seem to understand what the meme means either. They don't understand it. And I think for anyone, if there are any wokies watching us, I read that. I interpreted it as um, the kind of the kind of social justice man who feels so inclined to put he, him in his profile is basically in this weird sort of um, uh, place where they're taking – they're, show, they're trying to show that they are so woke that they are happy to put on their profile that they are one of the oppressors. That, that first of all, they accept yes. that being a man makes them oppressor and oppressor. And secondly, they're not ashamed to tell you they're in the oppressor group. 
and they're one of the good ones therefore and i think that's what that meme is sort of saying is he's like rubbing the blood like he him and his profile i love being i'm fine with it i'm cool like that's that's the way i interpreted it anyway but yeah, memes it's, are it's, open it's to interpretation signal. it's a virtue signal yeah, yeah. um yeah. i'm glad i'm glad i mean elon has been hit and miss sometimes like there's been times when i've been like yeah i, I love what he said and then times when i'm like ah, i don't know but he seems to be getting he seems to be moving in the right direction and probably having to deal with California <laughs> was helpful. Right. It was helpful. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's do a couple of more super chats. Uh, I will Hermit be, Thrush. I will oh, be joining be right you in back. a second. Hermit Thrush. Uh, Hermit Thrush says, what issue could they possibly have with protecting infant survivors of abortions? The fact they didn't die invalidates the mother's humanity or some bullsheep. Uh, yeah, that's the thing that I don't get either. I'm not sure. I guess like Carrie's saying, it's about abortion, so therefore there can't be laws about it. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. It's interesting. They've also conflated. Uh, notice they started with you need access to abortion, like it needs to be not illegal, and now they conflate not paying for it with <laughs> with uh, banning it. So. They'll be like, well, it needs to be, it needs to be covered. Um, those are two different things, obviously. Judge Lott says, the Tulsi situation is a great example of something I'm unsure about. Does the cathedral really believe the SJW shtick, or is it just a ruse to eliminate anti-cathedral figures? Uh, that's a great question, Judge. I don't think we can talk universally about all the members of the cathedral, but I would say uh, the cathedral... The cathedral cares about remaining the cathedral, right? So um, I think they are, first of all, they are, a lot of them are woke. Like they they went through woke indoctrination. So they are woke, a lot of them. But um, they're not really different than any of the other wokies. They're just kind of virtue signaling and they want they want to be the cool kids. They want to be, remain in charge, remain uh, part of the power structure. And I, I, my guess is that that will be their motivation, but I don't know, it's a good question. Carrie's back, hold on. There you are, from her undisclosed location. I just, I just uh, so usually on our live Confeffy days, I try and make sure, I think we've talked about this before, I try and not do the Zoom thing where I'm business up top, and party down bottom. <laughs> like I try and actually put on the whole outfit, like so that, cause it mm -hmm. elevates your, you feel more sure. professional and you, you know, you're more in it. So I try not to do the thing that people do now in the age of working from home where they're wearing like sweatpants and then a nice <laughs> business right. top. <laughs> but right. today, but today I'm wearing my Christmas leggings. I don't know if you can see. <laughs> and uh, I just walked by my housemate and she's like, business up top, party down bottom. <laughs> like, <laughs> During a company Actually, meeting the other day, I literally stood on a chair to prove that I was not doing that. I'm like, here's my pants. I'm I'm clothed. To be fair, I wear these Christmas leggings with business up top all the time. So yeah, because you're you. <laughs> <sighs> all right. Um, there's a couple little. There's one big thing. I don't know. I'm hesitant to really go into this, but on the other hand, it's on the top of my mind, and it's related to other stuff that we talked about, sort of. 
because we talked about science stuff. Do you have anything you want to talk about, Carrie? And if you do, I'll just defer. I just want to talk about Tulsi and get your thoughts on her. And we've done that. So, and I wanted to make fun of the doctor stuff and we did that. So, okay. This might on. be a rant. I don't know if it will be a rant. Um, I hope, I hope it's not a rant. It could be, you know me. Um, okay. <sighs> My daughter's doing Zoom classes. She's in sixth grade for those of you who don't know. Uh, and she's doing Zoom classes. And one of the... So she's sitting at home listening to stuff, right? And uh, one of her classes is science. Now, I was already a little bit suspicious of the science program because the first two weeks they just watched the Lorax. Not super sciencey. <laughs> um, okay. You know. <laughs> right. Carter, you crack me up. Okay, <laughs> so, okay, you you watch the Lorax. That's, but I was being forgiving. I'm like, all right, look, I knew they're, I know they're lefties, they're environmentalists, and they're probably getting their crap together for the first couple weeks because they're discombobulated. So they watch the Lorax. <laughs> I, I let that slide mostly. I'm like, all right, let's let it slide. They watch the Lorax. But then she says to me uh, the other day, she comes up to me, and um, she says, Do you know about biomagnification? And I said, yeah, I, I know what biomagnification is. Biome just, just for those of you who don't know in the, in the audience, um, biomagnification is what happens when there's a toxin uh, at lower level in the food chain and things eat that thing with the toxin and something eats that and whatever, and you get a higher concentration of that toxin in the thing. It's, so it's why you don't eat a lot of shark, for example. You'll get mercury poisoning if you eat too much shark because they're at the top of the food chain in the ocean. And any little bit of mercury in, in phytoplankton works its way up, right? Um in higher concentrations at each level. So uh, <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I know. I know about biomagnification. And she said, oh, well, we learned about... We learned about Rachel Carson and Silent Spring and DDT. And I said, really? You learned about Silent Spring as a valid book and her arguments against DDT as legitimate. And she said, yeah, that's what we learned. I almost lost, I almost lost it. Um, and I knew in the back of my mind there were problems because I had read this in the past, but I went and found, by the way, great article. If you ever, if you want to read this article by Robert Zubin um, in uh, The New Atlantist, if, you, if you're interested in DDT generally, I know it's an old topic, but... It's called The Truth About DDT and Silent Spring. It's an excellent, excellent article. I'm just going to steal from it a little bit while I talk. I've taken some notes on it. So anything that I'm saying that's good is all his, and anything I'm saying that's wrong is probably my mistake. Um, but I was like, okay, uh, we need to talk about this. We, we need to talk about this. Because using Rachel Carson and using Silent Spring as an example of valid science is exactly the opposite of science. It's literally the best way to undermine science I can possibly think of. 
I'll try and be quick about this, but let me just give you a history. Yeah, you... and explain it to someone like myself who has not read Silent Spring. So okay. I don't know anything you're about to say. Okay, DDT was a miracle chemical, basically. Um, it's It was a major factor in winning World War II. Um, like, like, legitimately a factor. Um, like, the, the Sicilian campaign of 1943, malaria killed more people than the Axis forces. Um, DDT is a chemical that wipes out um, mosquitoes, basically, other bugs, but it, it, can, it kills mosquitoes. Um, it, was, it was a godsend. Like, it, 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 allowed, um, it allowed, it was instrumental in the liberation of Rome. It allowed the Allied forces to get through marshes that the Germans had allowed to be flooded again. Like, it, it was a big deal. It worked in the Philippines to save lives. Huge deal in World War II. Huge deal. They literally sprayed it. You can find pictures of people standing there and like a soldier like <sighs> spraying DDT on them, right? And like on their head. So uh, it worked so well in the war. Paul Mueller, the, I guess, inventor or whatever, he won a Nobel Prize for it in 1948. The Nobel Committee, again, we've already disparaged the Nobel Prize in this, the Peace Prize at least in this uh in this episode, so. But 1948, uh, a far cry from Obama and Yasser Arafat. The Nobel Committee said, DDT has been used in large quantities with the evacuation of concentration camps of prisoners and deportees. Without any doubt, this material has already preserved the life and health of hundreds of thousands. This is in 1948. So after the war, people started to use DDT commercially. Um... And immediately after the war, according to, to this guy, and he, according to Robert Zubin, who cites, he like has sources, so you can look at the sources. Between one and six million Americans um, contracted malaria annually. Uh, in 1946, the U.S. Public Health Service initiated a campaign to wipe out malaria through the application of DDT to the interior walls of homes. The results were dramatic. In the first half of 1952, there were only two confirmed cases of malaria contracted within the United States. So let's get that. It went from one to six million to two. Wow. Amazing. Um, in Europe, malaria was virtually eradicated by the mid-1950s. South African cases of, mal of malaria quickly dropped by 80%. Sri Lanka reduced its malaria incidence from 2.8 million Malaria in cases in 1946 to 17 in 1963. India cut its malaria death rate almost to zero. In 1955, the UN World Health Organization launched a global campaign to use DDT to eradicate malaria. Uh, and it was implemented successfully in most of the developing world at that point. Um, Latin America, Asia, like it cut rates by like more than 99%. So everything's going peachy dory. DDT, hunky dory. It's peachy. DDT is a godsend. It's saving millions and millions of lives at this point. It's saving millions of lives. And Rachel Carson, who was a former marine biologist turned nature writer, writes this book called Silent Spring, which reminds me of some of the feminist literature that you've talked about, where there's like this this utopia in the future. Although you know, they here's what the world could be, right? Although she paints a dystopia in which the birds are all dead because of DDT, and uh, thus they're not. We don't hear their bird song anymore. With thus the title "Silent Spring," the spring is quiet because there's no birds. 
Um, and she had a couple major arguments. One of them was that uh, DDT causes cancer in humans. The other one was that it was endangering U.S. birds uh, with extinction, particularly the robin. She was saying it's killing birds and it's going to cause cancer in humans. It's causing cancer in humans. Now, there was, she had, let's be clear, she had no evidence for this. Her evidence was anecdotal. This was bullcrap. No evidence. In fact, when the book came out, the National Academy of Sciences was a little bit worried that her book would create hysteria. So it issued a statement. Here's the statement from the National Academy of Sciences. Quote, to only a few chemicals does man owe as great a debt as to DDT. It has contributed to the great increase in agricultural productivity while sparing countless humanity from a host of diseases, most notably perhaps scrub typhus and malaria. Indeed, it is estimated that in little more than two decades, DDT has prevented 500 million deaths due to malaria that would otherwise have been inevitable. Abandon 500 million. Wow. Abandonment of this valuable insecticide should be undertaken only at such a time and in such places as it is evident that the prospective gain to humanity exceeds the consequent losses. At this writing, all available substitutes for DDT are both expensive per crop year and decidedly more hazardous. So... We had an EPA, though. EPA got formed in 1971 right after this newly formed EPA. They decide they're going to launch an investigation into DDT. The investigation lasted seven months. They had investigative hearings led by a guy named Judge Sweeney. He gathered testimony from 125 expert witnesses with 365 exhibits. Like I said, it took seven months. The conclusion was the opposite of what the environmentalists wanted. After assessing all the evidence, Judge Sweeney said, quote, the use of, uses of DDT under the registration involved here do not have a deleterious effect on freshwater fish, estuarine organisms, wild birds, or other wildlife. DDT is not a carcinogenic hazard to man. DDT is not a mutagenic or teratogenic hazard to man. He ruled that DDT should remain available for use. But the administrator of the EPA, William Ruckelhaus, Ruckelshaus, Ruckelshaus, um, who reportedly did not attend a single hour of the investigative hearings and, according to his chief of staff, did not even read Judge Sweeney's report, overruled Sweeney and, in 1972, banned the use of DDT in the United States. So, I just want to review something here. By the way, this, this, this probably killed millions of people across the globe. Um, these environmentalists kill people. Um, bad environmentalist policy kills people. Uh, and it's pseudoscience. So Carson's main claims, the three main claims, uh, two, two focus in her book, and one, one really became more popular after she died. But the three main claims were, one, DDT causes cancer in humans. Uh, that's just not true. Um, in fact, uh, there's more details in this, but I'll just give a quick summary. In 2002, the U.S. government reported that there's no clear evidence that exposure to DDT or DDE, which is a derivative, uh, causes cancer in humans. There's just, it just, there's no, there's not evidence. There's no evidence. It's just not true. It's a lie. The second big thing she said was endangered U.S. This endangered U.S. birds with extinction. Well, she said that since the introduction of DDT after World War II, the U.S. bird populations were falling and were in rapid decline. Uh, and she specifically said the robin was threatened with extinction. That was a lie. 
the Audubon Society counts birds. They counted birds in 1941 before DDT, and they counted birds in 1960 at the height of DDT usage. And the number of birds that they counted quadrupled by 1960. In, in other words, the bird population had been going up when she was raising the alarm bell about birds suffering from DDT. In fact, the robin, who she was particularly concerned about, the population of the robin increased 12-fold. Her claims about uh, her claims about the effect on birds have been thoroughly debunked. Now, later on, after this, there was an effect that she didn't know about on certain birds that were not on her radar that she didn't know. There is an effect on uh, because of biomagnification, actually, at the top of the food chain on raptors. It does it can make their shells thinner and more vulnerable. Um, so, Pelic it is, I'm looking up stuff right here about pelicans and top of the food chain. Birds, right? So pelicans eat fish, right? They're the top of the boot chain. Raptors, pelicans. However, the levels of malaria that, or levels of, of DDT required to kind of control, like for crop dusting or something in the 1950s, like the levels that we need to actually control malaria are much less than that. Um, and you have to ask the question, okay, are some thinner egg shells on raptor birds and... Uh, and those kind of birds, is are they worth millions of human deaths? We're going to ban it everywhere. Maybe we don't use it for crop dusting in high concentrations. Okay, fine. Um, but she was wrong. None of her data was correct. Even even well, if later on someone found out this stuff, she that was not her argument. She did not talk about eggshell thinning. She did not talk about raptors. Those were not on her list. In, in fact, the birds that she was worried about, it probably helped because it, it stopped insect diseases that were insect-borne diseases. That the birds were getting so i just want to i don't again i don't know anything about this book i haven't read it and this is new to me but just doing a brief search it's an old book yeah i mean i'm coming up with articles including one in time mm -hmm. that says the world health organization um says that exposure to insecticides ddt can cause cancer according to findings released by the world health organization um the chemical, the chemicals have been linked specifically to non-Hodgkin lymphoma, testicular cancer, and liver cancer. When? Um, this is an article from 2015. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. The, the point is, my, my point is not that there's not been more research. And right. my guess is that maybe there's some stuff going on. Um, my point is, at the time, she lied she used anecdotes and she lied and it was taken as fact and it killed people. All right. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm, maybe there are studies that say that it is linked to some things. The links, the only links I've ever seen, which is maybe what they're linking to, is if like you put super high concentrations in rats, they develop tumors, but other mammals, it hasn't worked. Like it hasn't. So, I don't know if those are links to humans or not. So, the last do big you... claim. Okay, go ahead. I just want to do the last big claim. The last big claim was that DDT threatened the life of the oceans. The argument here was that, um, and this was pushed by Charles Worcester, co-founder of the Environmental Defense Fund, in a note published in Science Magazine in 1968. He said that he showed that he had claimed to have showed the presence of 500 parts per billion of DDT in seawater would stop photosynthesis by phytoplankton, which is a huge deal, right? Because phytoplankton, if that stops, it, like everything else above it in the food chain is disrupted massively. 
The problem is the maximum solubility of DDT in water is 1.2 parts per billion, so you couldn't possibly ever get to 500 parts per billion. In order for him to do his experiments, he had to mix it with alcohol, uh, which, you know, I imagine did hurt the phytoplankton in his experiments, <laughs> and maybe did stop them from photosynthesizing. So my, my point here isn't that I'm sure there's nuanced research about the effects of DDT or other things on, on things. My point here is that it was saving millions of lives. The science was telling us that her claims were not true. And her claims weren't true. Uh, and we banned it anyway. And we did it because of propaganda. And we did it because we didn't follow the science. We followed scientists or people claiming to speak on behalf of science. And the, the thing that bothers me about using this example um, for kids is it teaches them to substitute the opinions of credentialed people for actual science. Did later on, do, yeah, later on we discerned, uh, discerned a few things about DDT. I don't think anything that we've learned about DDT remotely justifies not using it to stop malaria, like remotely. I mean, you've got a way, on the one hand, you're willing to kill millions of people by not doing it. On the other hand, I mean, I, it might be a moot point now because maybe there's other chemicals that we don't need. But, I'm, you know, we're talking about at the time. This was in, in like 1970, right? In the early 70s. How many millions of people died because we banned DDT? And we banned DDT because it was propaganda. It was propagandized by someone who used the name of science, ignored actual science, and 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 killed millions of people. And we've got, and now we're using this as an example to teach, the example that this should teach kids is that science can be used as propaganda. You should like, your job is to be a scientist and follow the data. Rachel Carson should have been laughed out of public eye. The EPA should have said, oh yeah, we've studied it, it's fine. If later data comes along, fine, you change your, your attitude about it. But they killed millions of people. This is like using a book on flat earth as an example of good astronomy. Her book is not an example of good science. It's an example of science propaganda. That's what it was. It wasn't good science at all. And that's what they're teaching your kids in school. They're, they're taking science propaganda and saying, here's science. And, and okay. that's what really bothered me. Here's my pushback. I haven't read the book, so mm -hmm. I can't argue with you on that because I don't know if the book was propaganda or not. I'm just uh -huh. taking your word for it. What what I will say though is that okay here let me see I'm trying to articulate this correctly. Uh, there was someone who uh, responded to me on Twitter or something about about the, the last question in my trigonometry interview where they asked they always ask everyone what's something that no one's talking about that we should talk about and I mm. I said something about um, we're not talking about the possible psychological impact of wearing masks collectively right. to people. And this person started talking to me on Twitter about that and saying, you know, there's there's no negative effect of wearing a mask. What are you talking about? And this to me is a lack of imagination, like we talked about earlier with leftists seeming to be unable to project forward and to imagine anything that they can't currently see happening or to, to, you know, just because I don't know what the psychological impact is of wearing the mask like this, mm -hmm. like we're doing, I don't know what it is on small children who haven't seen anything different. 
Um, and, but I can imagine that there could be bad, bad effects that we haven't even considered or talked sure. about. So how do does you that relate see, to this? Uh, I'm trying to, you let me just sew it back okay. home. So don't you, do you not see someone saying, Hey, yes, this chemical, by the way, there's a dinging that keeps happening on your end. Well, um, sorry. Yeah. But, um, do you not see this as someone at, at the time saying, Hey, this, this chemical has helped to, yes, it's saved millions of people's lives, but maybe we should project forward a little bit and have a bit of imagination and ask questions about what are the negative impacts like we're just looking at the positive ones. It's almost like like I mean, the COVID course, vaccine. But that's not at all yeah. what's happening here. Okay. If someone sat down and said, well, we should look at the negative effects. They did, by the way. And they didn't find the negative effects. that she, Like they did look at them. And they didn't find them. And, and the negative effects she talked about didn't exist. So like you're talking about something that was saving millions of lives. And you're like, well, can't we just rely on some imagination and ban it? No, I mean, I'm not saying ban it. I'm saying, do you not view, don't put words in my mouth. I'm saying, do you not view someone talking about possible negative effects I'm not, as being similar to... I'm not saying you don't talk about possible negative effects. Like, sure, you talk about possible negative effects. Of course you talk, of course you have that conversation. And if you really feel like it's a problem, you 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 know, keep doing research there and you look for other things and you like, sure, of course you do. That's science. That's not, I'm not complaining about that. That's not, has nothing to do with Rachel Carson or banning of DDT. That's completely unrelated. Rachel Carson and banning with DDT was, I wrote a fictional book with an imagination where there's a silent spring. Therefore, let's ban this thing that's helping millions of people because we have no scientific data about it. That's the what book, they did. Was the book fiction? I mean, kind of, yeah, it was like a, like, yes, it was, it was a, she made claims about what was happening in reality. It was like a mix, right? So like, it wasn't really fiction. She was saying this is happening, but here's a scenario that the silent spring part Uh, was fiction where, where she's like, here's a scenario, right? Okay. But you know, you can't, you can't write, I don't want to say this. I'm not saying you don't have the conversation. Of course you have the conversation. And if she says, I have anecdotal data about X, Y, and Z, then fine, study that, study it. But in the meantime, it's saving millions of lives. You don't just ban something because Rachel Carson has an imagination, right? That's, that's the problem. And that's anti-science. That's completely anti-science, right? I, I have some anecdotes in a book that I wrote where I imagine things are bad. We're going to ignore the actual science that was done and ban it anyway. That's the opposite of science. That, that's, that's undermining science in, like, the worst possible way. Right? Even if she had turned about to be correct, it's an undermining of science. Science, Even if she was completely right and she had guessed, if someone writes guesswork and you take it as fact and make policy on it, that's the opposite of science. Guesswork is not science. Hysteria and propaganda are not science. That's not what they are. Even if she had been right, she wasn't, like, she didn't have the data. There was not data. And it turns out she was wrong. She was 100% wrong. The, the eggshell thinning thing, which is the only thing that was kind of close, was not not even on her radar. It wasn't what which, she was talking about. So one more pushback. And again, I have not read the book. So mm-hmm. uh, in Wikipedia, which also I, I <laughs> trust about as much as I trust the World Health mm-hmm. Organization, but... 
They say uh, Carson never called for an outright ban on DDT. No, she, she didn't. Sa- okay. No. She said but- in Silent Spring, let me just read this part. She said in Silent Spring that even if DDT and other insecticides had no environmental side effects, their indiscriminate overuse was counterproductive because it would create insect resistance to pesticides, making them useless and eliminating the target insect populations. That That's Wikipedia editorializing. Then this is the quote from the book. This is her quote. Quote, no responsible person contends that insect-borne disease should be ignored. The question that has now urgently presented itself is whether it is either wise or responsible to attack the problem by methods that are rapidly making it worse. The world has heard much of, uh, you probably have a problem with that line, making it worse. The world has heard much of the triumphant war against disease through the control of insect vectors of infection, but it has heard little of the other side of the story, the defeats, the short-lived triumphs that now strongly support the alarming view that the insect enemy has been made actually stronger by our efforts. Even worse, we may have destroyed our very means of fighting, end quote. Yeah, whatever. I, that's not my point. My point is okay. not that she didn't think of some things that are should be explored, right? And my point isn't... My point is this isn't science. That's not science. Okay. Okay. That's not science. They're teaching this to sixth graders as science. That's not what science is. Science is okay. not, I think things might happen. That's not science. I hear you. Okay. That's not what it is. And you don't make policy based on that. And, f- and by the way, speaking of the World Health Organization, I'm reading a quote from them in 2011. <laughs> Their studies failed to show any convincing evidence of patterns or associations between DDT and cancer incidences or mortality. Like, I don't, did four years later something change? Maybe, but like, we're talking decades after this book. They were still saying, no evidence. No, there's not, there's there's not a link. So, I guess, I I, I guess if a shaman, if a shaman in India says, it turns out that the earth is not flat, right? It, It revolves around the sun. We don't applaud him for science because 3,000 years later, we're like, hey, we figured it out. He was right. That's no, no, that's not science. I hear you. I hear you. Thank you for clarifying with with vigor. <laughs> Somebody in chat said that you're, you're Krampus. I'm Krampus? You're Krampus, Wait, who's Krampus? today. I think it's a new horror movie with, the, with an evil Santa Claus. Oh, maybe. I could totally be evil Santa Claus. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. You're just making me laugh now about the shaman example. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I, the thing for me, the, the thing that's bothersome to me is what you need to teach kids is that, I mean, you need to teach, teach kids that science is a process, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's an intellectual process where you're like, you're studying something, you're, you're doing experiments, you're following the scientific method, you're observing and experimenting, you're drawing conclusions about the physical world around you, right? That's what science is. Um, and to use a book like this and say, here's an example of a science. He, this, is, this is a scientific thing that's happening. Someone wrote a piece of shit book. Right. Everyone okay. ignored the actual science and made policy that killed millions of people on it. <laughs> Yay, she was a woman, which, by the way, they were also doing. Uh, like, that is, that's teaching children that actually credentialism and popularity matter, not the data. That's what it's teaching them. We all liked Rachel Carson. She was popular, and therefore, she's correct. 
that's what they're teaching them. And it's to me, it is abhorrent. It's 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 undermining the entire purpose of science, which is to use your own mind uh, to look at the data yourself, right? Not and you know to make those decisions yourself. That's how you train little scientists. You don't train them when someone writes a popular book that people complain about or that that people that people praise. Uh, we ignore all the data to because because it's a good book. I, apparently, it was a very good book. A lot of people like the book, but well, now I'm gonna have to read it. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I know I ranted. Speaking again, of which. I'm sorry. Book club is coming up soon this Sunday, guys. Uh, be there or be square. December twentieth. Someone Sundays. says I should talk about teachers unions. No way. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. No way. Uh, seriously, if you want to join us for book club, if if you're new to this channel, we do a book club which is free to join. It's really mm. fun. We usually have, I think last time we had our, our record-setting number of people when we read the Management of Savagery. I think we had like fourteen or something. I don't know. But uh, you can join us on camera if you go to unsafespace.com and go to book club. It tells you how to join. And you can also just be in a live chat like today. You don't have to be on camera. Um, the following month. So this month we're reading The Moon is a Harsh Mistress by Robert Heinlein, which is one of mm -hmm. Car Carter's favorite sci-fi novels. Um, next month we are going to be re returning to nonfiction and we're reading uh, Helen Pluckrose and James Lindsay's new book, Cynical Theories. So if you want to get a jump start on January, you can do that. Thank you for joining us today. You've been watching it. Well, we gotta, we gotta finish our super chats. We have a few more super just, chats. We can't I'm just, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Fine. All right. Um, I just wanted, like, what, if Krampus rants about Silent Spring, and then we're like, and we're out. I'm not, I'm not gonna rant <laughs> anymore. I think I'm done. We'll just do I'm some kidding. super chats. But uh, okay. Yeah. Um, people say I'm gonna need to drink. I don't need to drink. I'm, look, and and I'm not about to have a coronary. I did get excited no. about it. It just, you know, look. It's your daughter. It's indoctrination, it's and it's not just my daughter. It's yeah. everywhere. And this is a this is, by the way, an expensive, nice private school. Like I can't fathom what the hell they're teaching everywhere else. Um, you know, I guess it's not that great because they we used the Lorax. But okay. Um, Two hundred Watt Studio says, "Carrie, great to see you on Friday Night Tights." Uh, I don't know when when will you be back? Hey, thanks. We're gonna have Gary this week. Oh, we live. are. Oh, cool. Yes, nice. on, and we I forget the time we'll be announcing it, but this Thursday we're going to be having Gary on our show. So if you're fans of Excellent. Nerdrotic, um, this is probably what they're reading in the public school. This is one of my books called Hope for the Flowers. Does anybody have this hippie book from the 70s? Wow, what is that one? It's a it's a story about um, uh, a, a butterfly. Uh, here it is. A different sort of book for everyone except those who have given up completely. And even they might secretly enjoy it. Anyway, I'm just, you made me think of this book. When you're like, what's, what would be a, a more unsigned, like a step below in terms of being scientific, a step below the Lorax? Well, Greta Thunberg, which her previous school was, were following Greta Thunberg and watching Greta Thunberg rants. So uh, I think Greta's a step below the Lorax. Yeah. Personally. Uh, all right, Cheeky Mayor, Cheeky Mayor says, uh, NICS, NICS is a TV show. NCIS is a TV show. <laughs> oh, did you, oh, do we oh, misspeak? Yeah, I got it backwards. <laughs> NICS, yes. Uh, yeah, well, I don't think there, I, I'm not, I've never watched the TV show, so I can't say I don't think there should be the TV show, but I definitely don't think there should be the database. Uh, all right. 
I think we're close. I don't know how many. I think we're close. By the way, thank you, everyone, for the super chats. We really appreciate it. Uh, and I actually like – I I prefer – when sometimes we have shows where people bring up complex subjects on super chats and we kind of have to abandon our agenda. I, I actually like that. I like the, the kind of random topics out of left field. Uh, I don't know why. I think it's just fun. Uh, let's see. Uh, Pirate Tomsky, are we on to that one? I don't know. <laughs> he says, don't make me separate you two. Uh, yeah, we don't have to. Oh, I like God. the I like the shows where we disagree sometimes because, you know, it's more interesting. Um, there's a lot that we agree on, and then there are, there's quite a few things we disagree on still. Yeah, that's true. Uh, G-Man, are we on to G-Man? I'm not even to your Pirate Tomsky one yet. I'm still scrolling, oh. so... Okay. You can read the G-Man one if you want. G-Man, thank you for the super chat. I, I don't recognize you. You might be new. Says, uh, banning DDT sounds like a policy that Bill Gates would support. <laughs> <laughs> 30 years from now, we'll be teaching kids about the great scientific mind of Greta Thunberg. Yeah, we will. That's that's what Carter was just saying. Yeah. Uh, somebody, this is not a super chat, but somebody says, Roderick says, get Carter on trigonometry. Yes, I would love to see there we don't need another white guy in trigonometry. somebody says can you this is not a super chat but youtube says can you get greta on friday night tights <laughs> <laughs> i would have you. greta on our show that would be fun <clears throat> i may have skipped some those are the last two so no i think that's it back. i think we did it i think we did it i think we're good um <sighs> And now I feel like I need a drink, but I'm not going to go have a drink. But um, thank you guys for watching. We will see you yeah, thank on you. Friday. Oh, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. If you can't support us financially, that's okay. You can go, you can like, you can share, you subscribe. Make sure you are still subscribed if you think you're subscribed. Um, as a reminder, also go to unsafespace.locals.com because we're going to try and start doing something. We just don't know what. And we need some followers over there. Um, what else? Carrie mentioned book club. I think we're pretty good. I think we're pretty good. Uh, some one last one from Cheeky Mare says, uh, "I used to work at a gun store we called NICS Nicks. That might help remembering." Yes, because they want Nicks, to nix yeah. your gun rights. Nicks. Um, thank you. <laughs> Actually, this book I haven't read this in years. This oh, no, book is like not it. about the environment. This is a very beautiful book oh, okay. about growth. Uh, so yeah, hope for the flowers. <laughs> Someone <laughs> asks, uh, I guess another super chat, uh, sugar waters, sugar water says, Carter, why don't you do more interviews on other channels? Uh, I'm not opposed to it. I'm just, uh, I think honestly, I think Carrie's better. <laughs> I think Carrie's better. No, we're uh, just different. Uh, so you're you're going to be, you guys should recommend, actually, this is what helps us. Um, if you want to help and you can't support us financially, which if you can go to our donate page. Awesome. If not, uh, yeah, people give us suggestions all the time for shows that, that I should be on or that Carter should be on. And we are starting to reach out to some of those people, but it absolutely helps us. If you are, if you're already a fan of theirs and you're in their community, tell them mm -hmm. about us. Because if they hear it from more than one place, then it's not just then if they get our email saying, hey, we'd like to have you on or vice versa. They've already heard of us because of you guys. So that is a huge help if you want to 
um, pitch carter to places for us. Yeah, so. I don't have an aversion to it necessarily. I just it's not my focus, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, no particular reason. Okay, mm-hmm. um, I think we're good. I don't think, think we're we have good. anything else. Yeah. Have a good week, everyone. Um, enjoyed it as always, and uh, we will see you on Friday. There's going to be something coming out this week. Uh, and oh, I just want to remind people for who don't know, uh, we're going to do this Friday's Kofefi, and I think the following Monday, but then we're taking like three Kofefi breaks off in a row. We're taking, but like, we're going to have content prepared in advance, yes. so don't worry. Yeah, we'll have some yeah. content for if you. If you want to see stuff, we, we'll have stuff. Yeah. And I'm working on a funny, uh, I'm not going to say what it is because I'll spoil the surprise. Yeah, don't oversell it. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's not going to be that great, guys. Don't worry. Okay, much better job. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, later, we'll see you all on all right, Friday. Take care. Bye, Carter. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals. Here's a fun fact, it has been scientifically proven that curiosity can kill more than just cats. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. And you're not a science denier. Did you know that according to the AP style of book, vigorous repetition is now considered a valid form of argument? Computer voice, Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.